Yo, nation, what's up, y'all? Stoked to have you guys here. I'm just we're getting set right now, um, and we're we're recording this live. This is gonna be on the pod, but of course, uh, for you YouTubers, it's a fun way to hang out on a Thursday night. Here with Jason from the Mash and Drum Whiskey Room, and uh, we're just gonna talk about him after we do a little Evan Williams tasting. We're gonna hear from Jason about his uh, his story, his journey in really uh, becoming one of the more well-known personalities in the whiskey tube uh, and rocking some pretty awesome, pretty in-depth content on his channel. So Jason, dude, thank you for joining. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the invite. You really appreciate you having me on. Um, been definitely following your content, you know, since uh, probably not like right when you started, but a little bit after and uh, some of your videos. Uh, I thought uh, one of the best videos you did was on the secondary market and the effect and how that started. I thought that was a really good video. So um yeah it was, i'm glad to be on here thanks yeah that video was pretty well received I, that was one of those things in in the whiskey industry you know that gets talked about a lot um yeah but uh i hadn't i hadn't heard anybody try and break down more of the economics behind why and i just love economics i'm kind of a geek when it comes to that stuff Moneyball <laughs> yeah. is like my favorite movie so um <laughs> that was a fun video to make for sure yeah for sure um all right we're not gonna waste any time we we got we'll leave plenty of time at the end for questions so those of you in the chat uh, if you have questions for jason as we go definitely throw them uh in into uh into the chat the place that you would put your questions and we'll circle the place you type things yeah right (laughs) use your fingers touch the keys and that'll be good um (laughs) We'll come back to those as we go throughout tonight, but we're going to start with uh, this Evan Williams tasting, um, and then I've got some news uh, once a few more folks have, have jumped on that you guys are probably going to want to know related to how you can get some some dope whiskeys. But the first thing we were going to get to tonight, as I said, is this Evan Williams taste-off. So what we have, Jason and I both have these. We've got Evan Williams Black, which is 86 proof. This is Heaven Hill Distillery, and we have Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. 100 proof, obviously non-age stated, but we know it's at least four years because it's Bottled and Bond. Um, and the reason we're tasting this tonight is because when we had Dave Jennings, Rare Bird 101, on the channel, um, he had thrown out kind of a, a hot take of, hey, you know, I think you know sometimes people get caught up in Bottled and Bond that, that somehow it's it's better he said an example would be Evan Williams bottle and bond. He said, I actually think the black is better because it's probably got some higher age stocks. Whereas the white label is almost certainly a little bit younger because it has to all be the product of one distilling season. So they're probably not going to bottle six year, eight year bottle and bond. It's probably four or five years. I'm like, Oh, you know what, Dave, that's pretty interesting insight. Um, mm-hmm. let's taste them side by side. And, uh, uh, you know, Jason having a lot of experience rocking reviews and, and whiskey comparisons wanted to ha- get his take on this as well. Cause uh, Brian and I can just argue a whole lot. <laughs> so <laughs> wanted to get, uh, yeah, so we, we don't necessarily share uh palette preferences always. Thankfully when we did our, our first round of barrel picks, we did, but when we, we've got our second round coming up here and we'll see, we'll see how it holds up. But the, the, <laughs> 
challenge here tonight is just to taste these things, talk about them, and see if we can come to consensus on which is better. If not, it'll just be a general analysis of two stalwart bourbons. I mean, these are classics, right? Yeah, they are. They're. I think the Evan Williams Black is uh, probably one of the um, one of the best buys, you know, on the lower shelves. I mean, it's a ninety proof. Mm. Really good quality, really good quality bourbon for a nice cheap price. Um, this this has always been kind of looked upon as a, as a heavy hitter, um, especially for the mm-hmm. price. I mean, I I bought this today. I mean, it was seventeen bucks. So yeah, uh, for a hundred proof bottle and bond. But yeah, I, I think part of me agrees a little bit with uh, you know, you know, with Rare Bird One Hundred and One. You know, kind of thinking about bottled and bond and what it means today you know you know once uh, once the the bottle and bond act hit in 1897 it was that mark of quality uh it, it was like that mark of quality before it ever happened in anything you know the first thing that ever happened that was consumable it wasn't with food it was with whiskey so to have that and it really meant something back then whereas today mm-hmm. i think today bottled and bond is used as more of a marketing gimmick especially especially for newer whiskeys coming out because mm-hmm. if you know if there are whiskeys that don't have a bottle and bond you know it's like hey we have we don't have a bottle and bond in our portfolio let's uh you know let's do a new release we'll throw a bottle and bond on there even though most of the warehouses in Kentucky at least the older ones are you know they're they're federally <laughs> bonded warehouses regardless so yeah they're just they can age something as you know look at wild turkey last year i mean as good as that that was one of my favorite bourbons last year was the wild turkey 17 bottle and bond, but they could have, they could essentially take anything and throw the BIB on there, you know? Yeah. Um, but they chose. As, yeah. It. As long as they're not blending it yeah. with bourbons from different seasons, which a lot of those big guys do on those special releases, you know? Yep. So that was kind of unique and that it was 17 years old. Um, but I do agree on the small guys. What, what I would say about small distilleries doing bottled and bond that I appreciate is then I at least know it's hit four years. I've been tasting, yes. yeah. I've been tasting a lot of craft whiskeys this year, and yeah. I, I think I'm up to like 58 or something. And so <laughs> many of them just need, they just need more barrel time, dude. Like I love the idea of craft whiskey, and a lot of this that I'm tasting, like the distillate, is high quality stuff. Like there's a big difference when you're tasting young whiskey between like good distillate and bad distillate. Like yeah, bad distillate. Sure. You feel like if I drink much of this, I'm probably going to die. It's probably poisonous. Whereas the good <laughs> distillate is like, this has promise. It just needs barrel Yeah, it just needs some barrel time. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, I saw that in Ohio with a couple, yeah. of, craft, couple of craft uh, whiskeys we had here. Um, and now that, stuff, now that stuff started to come of age. I mean, you could, you could smell potential, and you, but you can also smell like just bad distillate. Like this needs a whole like revamp. Mm-hmm. So interesting. But I, I yeah. agree. And Stop newer, what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the newer distilleries, bottle and bond is, is a great thing. You know, it's that four year mark. It's great. Uh, with the older distilleries and the guys that are just pumping out, you know, gallons of whiskey and gallons and gallons, it's uh, you know, you feel like they're using it a little bit more of a of a of a marketing term. Whereas that's why I think mm-hmm. the next uh, that's why I think the next Weller edition is going to be a bottled and bond Weller. <laughs> I just wish they'd stop. I can't get it regardless of what they release. I like, know. I've that's got what I mean, two bottles of. I'm I'm telling you, yeah. a bottle and bond, a bottle and bond Weller is coming. I'm telling you, <laughs> and I I have okay. no inside I have, info. I have no inside <laughs> info. That's just that's just my thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, I saw on your your channel last night. I was on the the stream for a little bit, and I saw the yeah. 
the hey, can you name the next Weller release. There are some pretty good ones. What was your favorite from last night? There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, if you, I was saying there was yeah, somebody you, from Buffalo. There was somebody from Buffalo Trace writing that stuff down. Watching. <laughs> yeah, it'll get used. They do a good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, Jason, you you work in marketing, is that correct? Is that what you do? For yeah, for yeah, I'm a, yeah. I have a marketing background, correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that, that was a question that a marketing person would ask. And yeah, just <laughs> exactly. keep coming up with ideas, man. Maybe you'll uh-huh. get a job offer from Sazerac here before too mm-hmm. long. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I was going to ask you one other thing before we get into these. Um, sure. I've had some killer single barrels from Middle West in Ohio. Oh, yeah. You being an yeah. Ohio guy, have you had much of their stuff? If so, what do you think about it? Yeah, yeah. I So on one side, I really felt like their weeders needed more time, um, the weeder that they had. Uh, um, and I think it's gotten to the point now where it's definitely getting a little bit better. I was, my, my big... My big fandom for Middle West was actually their pumpernickel rye. It was one of those things where I've never tried anything like that before. And I really did like it a lot. I mean, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> Obviously, a pumpernickel style rye, it's, it's weird. But I think it's a good weird. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what when you're, when you're looking for something unique to try. Uh, and that stuff's just getting better and better too. You know, rye, you know, it, it does a little bit better with some youth, but as it gets older, it, the, the nuances of the rye whiskey really start, you know, coming to the forefront. I think that's what's starting to happen with Middle West overall. Uh, but I do, mm-hmm. yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't such a fan of their stuff in the beginning, but I like the way their stuff tastes now. It's just getting better and better. Mm. Yeah, I've had two of the weeded single barrels, and one of them was really, really, really good. Uh, and then I had their standard... I think just small batch bourbon, which that tasted young, tasted like yeah. it needed barrel time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was pretty sure it was Tom, uh, Tom Lynch, who's in the chat. He's always in the chat. chat. He's one of our mods um, who sent me that early on. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it was Tom. Yeah, he's at, yeah. Tom's actually asking me about high bank whiskey war winning some awards last week. Um, yeah. I, I love, uh, I love, I love Adam over there at, um, at a high bank. I think the blends that they're doing are great. I haven't gotten a chance to try the the age stuff. That's one because I think it's about four or five years old now. That's what was submitted to San Francisco that won the award for uh, best blended whiskey. Um, I'm actually going to be heading there. I think tomorrow to go grab uh, those bottles. Uh, he's he's got a couple for me to put to the side to actually try it. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I'm nice. Any 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 time a local distillery gets some sort of um, and I talked about this in the video. Awards are kind of like a double-edged sword. I feel like it it's like you almost cringe because you don't want a bourbon you love to get any award because then you know it's going to be tatered immediately and you won't see it ever again. Uh, perfect example of that is McKenna. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, but on the other hand, I think for distilleries like High Bank and craft distilleries that you're talking about, you know, if, if it does win an award, now whether it's you think it's worthy of it or not. It, gives a, it puts a nice spotlight on a new distillery that, you know, new distilleries are, you know, their profit margins are like this. So any help that they can get to drive some more revenue for them and keep the lights on, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for Adam and the team at High Bank. Sweet. Awesome. Well, let's get into these now. Uh, yeah, if man, you I'm, had to, if you, before you taste them side by side, if you were to say, I think I like this one better just going based off history, what would you have said? 
Based off history? Yeah, well, based off like your history with these products, which one would you go I mean, like, I, pull I'm off the shelf? I'm probably, if you had to? I'm probably programmed to go after the bottle and bond because it's right. a higher proof. But yeah. on the nose here, you go back and forth. Um, the Evan Williams bottle and bond comes off. I don't know what you're getting, but to me, it's a little bit more nutty and corny. It's like mm -hmm. the corn nut like nose that you get. Whereas the Evan Williams black label. I could say. I mean, it's coming off a little bit more refined. I hope I didn't just mix these up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally may have. But yeah. oh, dang it. Yeah, because I was playing with them while you were talking. This Now this is going to be the challenge. That's going to be the challenge for you now. <sighs> yeah, I need somebody to rewind and watch what I did with these glasses. <laughs> well, but I'm pretty sure I had them like this. Pretty sure. Um, so yeah, off of the way I was programmed, uh, my conditioning, my, my environmental yeah. conditioning, I too would always go for bottled and bond, um, yeah. because it's, Oh yeah. Four years old, the history of what bottled and bond means, all of that is, you know, generally good. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was Dave's words that made me pause and go like, Oh wait, I think that I've just been programmed on that. I think I need to go back and taste these things because yep. it's right that, Evan Williams Black might have some extra age in it. Maybe it's produced in larger batches, so maybe there's also some barrels that just suck in there. So let's taste them and figure it out. So I think I've got to palate these, though, and see which one is hotter. Like an ADHD whiskey. <laughs> Welcome to Droopy Whiskey. Tonight, a couple of beautiful people drink liquid sawdust. Nice. Um, yeah, Evan, I would say the Alden Bond does have a... Uh, uh, a like a fresh cut wood note on there too to go along with that nuttiness and graininess. Dang it! I gotta just pour two new ones. Because <laughs> <laughs> like one is is de delivering better flavor for me, and I'm confusing flavor with proof right now. So maybe. Yeah, because we. I just want to have an honest like assessment of this and not be like i think that one was bottled and bought all right thankfully these are not that expensive yeah i picked up the black for like 14 bucks maybe a 750 and then uh this was 20 for a, a liter of the white that i can't find the white one for less than a liter oh really that's interesting yeah so they don't i haven't seen it in 750 mils around milwaukee granted Milwaukee doesn't get a lot of distribution of much at all, but okay. So now this is the black and this is the white. <laughs> okay, we got that square. All right, are we ready? <laughs> all right, give me your, your nasal assessment here, Jason, of the black. Of the black. Okay, so the black. The black is more of a of a classic bourbon nose for me. It's very vanilla, very caramel. It's a little bit more uh, refined. That's like the oak profile, which may clue. Mm -hmm. There could be a little bit, some some more age in there. I'm also getting... Yeah, get some barbecue sauce. I am getting the, 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 the nuttiness, but I'm also getting a nice little citrus punch in here, too. Like a little hint of uh, just like a, slight, like a slight hit of orange zest. Which, yeah, which it's not I, too I, far I, off. Which, which I could see barbecue sauce like being part of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I get a little little brown sugar, a little smoke. Yeah, um, little, and then well, this, definitely, definitely some oak char for sure. Yeah. This like vinegary kind of, mm -hmm. uh, not, not, not bad, but enough like 
enough vinegar where it's like, yeah, there's something funky in here mm-hmm. beyond it's not too, too refined. Um, you know, it's like one of the things I'll get sometimes in the more nuttier and more nutty heaven Hill products is this, uh, well, it just reminds me of tasting mash out of the, out of the mash ton drum mm-hmm. thing. Like you can do that at will it stick your hand in there and then taste it. It's kind of raw, <laughs> yeah. raw mash. Um, yeah. that's what it reminds me of. Not yeah, young uh, distillate, but just it's kind of mashy. It is. It's very, which you know, clues you into maybe it's a little bit. You know, you are getting the the younger stuff in here, and you know, maybe there is a lot more younger than older in here because maybe that some of that older stuff is refining it just a a, a tad bit. Where the Evan Williams, mm-hmm. the Ball and Bond, is coming off a little bit harsher. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's, you know, I, I mean, if you put this side by side, I would definitely think that the ball and bond is younger. Because yes, I would agree. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I like it worse though on just based on the nose. It does smell younger, but there is a slightly off putting like that, that vinegar is hanging with me in a way that I don't like on the, the black. <laughs> And I get less of that here. Like I do get more nuttiness on the uh, bottled and bond, which nutty nutty bourbon is generally not my jam. It's not my ideal yeah. profile. But I'm getting less of the vinegar. Uh, it's uh, it's a little more herbaceous on the bottled and bond too. Like I might mm-hmm. get a little like more fresh greens, and almost in the rye family. Like it feels like the rye is coming through on the nose more in the bottle and bond than in the black. So I feel like I'm getting more of the rye and the black, whereas the whereas the bottle and bond, I'm getting more of the uh, yeah that that like that fresh cut sawdust note. I can't yeah. I can't shake in the bottle and yeah. bond. It's certainly a fresh, fresh woody. I would agree. Yeah, There's like plenty fresh of that. woody, fresh woody, nutty, like very. Like it smells like it could be like a dry whiskey, you know. We got hot buttery rolls in the chat as well. What's up, dog? Tom dropping in links. Thanks, Tom. Hot buttery. Yeah, we could just have a bourbon community roundtable if all these guys jumped on. <laughs> right, love it. All right, palette wise, give me the black. Yeah. Well, let's go to the black here. Mm, I got a little bit of a note. Um, there's some some definite positives, but one of the th- mm-hmm. another note I don't like to find is uh, periodically I'll get kind of a swimming pool, uh, you know, a little chlorine. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. So a little chlorine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that hit me right as I like was inhaling on that first sip. I was like, that it smells like I walked into a YMCA swimming pool. But then it, there there are positives too. It's very sweet. Um, it is know, very caramel sweet. is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a light caramel. It's like a light caramel sauce. Um, little punch of vanilla. There's you know what I what I appreciate about Evan Williams is even for a low proofer, you you get a nice little hint of spice on the back end, which I like. It doesn't the finish doesn't go away like very very fast for a ninety proofer, which I appreciate. I, I can't stand when I drink some low proof and the finish just dies. Um, this sure. actually has, this actually holds on a little bit. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the price, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing to really hate about it. Like that swimming pool yeah. is not over. Like in some craft whiskeys, I think it was Bower Hill I had that tasted like uh, it, you were just drinking like swimming pool water that had urine in it. It was awful. Just I gotta like, tell you, I gotta, that was I gotta tell you the, the the vinegar note that you brought out is really uh, resonating with me. I haven't maybe I haven't thought of it as vinegar, but I could see where you're getting that. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, you know, I know why Fred uses this um, as his sort of standard bourbon is because it tastes like bourbon. It is. It's a very classic. There's nothing really off-putting about it to me at all. It's all, It's got, again, for a 90 proofer, it kind of takes you through the vanilla, caramel, the oak, the little bit of oak char you get, hint of citrus, and then a nice little spice on the end. It's like It's like everything you want in a classic bourbon without anything being too forward. Or nothing that really sticks out. It's just very solid. Yeah. Tim asks how I know what urine tastes like. Well, Tim, <laughs> buddy, most of taste, most of taste is smell, and I have three children, so <laughs> there's pee everywhere. So, mm-hmm. all right, bottled and bond. Yeah. See, so the bottled and bond comes off. Yes, a little bit more proof heavy. But it also comes off a little bit the 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 youth the youth in the in the bottle and bond is is a little bit more forward than in the black label. I feel like the youth comes out a little bit more in the bottle and bond, and I think the proof tries to hide that a little bit. Yeah, um, it's it's certainly a uh, I, I'd say it's a one trick pony. I get some layers of flavor in the black. Whereas the bottled and bond feels like a one note. Now it's not a bad note. It's not a bad it note at all. It does taste a little younger. Mm-hmm. To me, it's pretty sweet, actually. Like I think I get more sweetness out of the bottled and bond, even though I get less depth uh, mm-hmm. than I got in the black. It's it's less caramely sweetness, and it's more like uh, agave nectar. Um, you know, maybe some like uh, cheap honey. Simple. Yeah, syrup. I, I think honey is spot on, and this one, this one has a little bit more orange blossom honey in it for me to go with like that. But again, I'm still getting a lot of that that sawn wood and the and the and the young, like the youthful corn note is all up front. Yeah, and there's not enough of, kind the, of the honey for me to be like, wow, this is uh, you know, it's it's as layered as maybe the black label. It's got a chalkier tactile too, I think. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's got a finish that is reminiscent of younger Dickel. It's kind of a little bit hairsprayy. Uh, you mentioned the citrus, and then it's not super viscous, not slippery. So it is, you know, for, for, for the chalky feeling. And I gotta say, the finish on the Ball and Bond isn't hanging out like the Black Label, and it's which is surprising because it's ten proof points higher. But again, that could be my awfulness and figuring proof, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, when I poured these and then I was I mixed them up, I was like, "Well, dang!" Like because I couldn't tell off proof alone because I felt like one delivered more depth of flavor and one had more heat. I was like, oh, "I gotta yeah. re-pour this, make sure I get it right." Yeah. I definitely right. like the black. I think I definitely like the black label off the nose. I just there's something a little bit richer and layered about it, at least on the nose. Yeah, in terms of flavor profile too, 
I think I think the blacks got it. Um, it the the lower proof plus the age just makes it feel like a more carefully furnished bourbon, yeah. which is probably not. Like the badges on this are huge, but um, you know, I put it up against. I mean, I'd say it's probably going to beat ninety percent of the craft whiskeys that I've tried so far this year. Shit, who knew, shit man. Aim. I mean, <laughs> this is crazy. Like the the black label. I don't know. It, it holds mean, up. It holds up. It it stands up to this stuff. I mean, I think like are, are we falling in love with the actual flavor of this, or is it more the price? Yeah, I mean, it's both. You know, the yeah. flavor. So if you take the bottled and bond. Uh, against most other younger whiskeys, too. Yeah. Like, this is probably going to hold its own, but I do think it's bo- the general affection of the industry for bottled and bond plus the price gives this the allure. And, you know, the yeah. white label looks kind of cool. So, yeah, those white, two things. Label, yeah, the white label is nice. That'll stand out on the shelf. And the proof. So, those, like, it's the, the bottled and bond, it's the price, it's the proof, all those three things make the bottle to bond like oh yeah i'm gonna pull for that one as a whiskey geek there's not a lot of this bottle doesn't carry a lot of respect with it we don't talk about this one a lot yeah nobody nobody does nobody does yeah i've never mentioned i've never talked about it (laughs) and and even and even another evan williams label is the um was it the 1783 yeah right i've actually never tried that that's that's i mean if you think the black label is good try the 1783 it's actually pretty damn delicious yeah, we should have just added the third, but that would have been another bottle I had to buy that, that I didn't have already. <laughs> it's still it's still only like sixteen bucks. You're good, man. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I spend a lot more for a lot less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna break into your uh, your diaper uh, your diaper fund. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I definitely need that right now. We're starting right. to get the starting to get the bills from. Uh, you know, having birthed a child and then those 10 yeah. days in the hospital. And I'm thankful to have insurance right now. Insurance is good. <laughs> That's right. I think what I want to do is blend these and see what happens. Let's do it. We got a few minutes here, uh, yeah. which is good because I have these two and I don't know what they are. So I can just pour them together. And yeah. That's what I'll drink the rest of tonight. I'm going to see if uh, these, these together. Now we're, yeah. Now we're going to be in that 92 uh, 92, 93 proof range. Yeah, maybe there's some. Maybe there's a happy medium here between the two. I want to do a lot more blending of you know different components and different profiles. Um, yeah, I know Matt's been Matt ADHD. He's been pretty active in in blending, and that's something I'd like to get into more. Yeah, I, even I've just for yeah, obvious blending, I've been doing blending on my own as well, just like playing with different uh, different mash bills and, and different flavor profiles to see how they work together. Um, I was fortunate enough to have Nancy Fraley on, and nice. she was kind of she was kind of schooling us on how you know she works these blends, and it's amazing how just like a little little teaspoon of something can completely change and alter a whiskey flavor profile, even you know change the texture of it, not just the flavor. So. Uh, kind of learning what I learned from her and trying to mess with different, you know, whiskeys. It's, it's pretty, I, you know, I, I like to take some of the younger stuff that I could get here locally, like the watershed or the, you know, the, the stuff from high bank or the stuff from, uh, you know, middle West and 
um, you know, couple that with something on an older scale and see, you know, how those flavors work together. It's interesting. It's fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm blown away by how they can, they'll do it on a small scale and then it translates when they actually mix the barrels together. Like I wonder. Yeah. You, yeah how, I know. When you could, when they could scale a blend like that, it's amazing. Yeah. Right. Like I wonder how different it is from like what they're tasting in the lab to when they actually blend it. Like how different are those samples? Like if, yeah. if you took the sample they created against the sample they finally ended up with, mm-hmm. like how accurate is that? Because I'm like, so we're about to get our first bottles from Starlight, our first, you know, barrel picks, my first barrel picks ever. And yeah. I was, I'm nervous as crap to taste them. I'm like, are they going to taste like what I was tasting there? You know, now that they're out of the barrel, we're out of the space, they're in the bottle. Like, am I going to like them as much as I like them in the moment? And that's yeah. just a, you know, that's a, that's not blending anything. That's just moving from barrel to bottle. And then yeah, we're talking I mean, about never, blending never sometimes hundreds it. of barrels. Yeah. The, the first pick I ever did was a, uh, I did a 1792 bottled and bond. And, you know, we were tasting these samples right out of the barrel and we were really happy with what we got. And this is delicious. And obviously it was going to be proofed down to a hundred because it was a bottle and bond. So not only did we have to mess with that, then they were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to chill filter it and we're going to proof it down. And then we're going to, you know, we'll bottle it. I'm like, oh, what is it going to taste like yeah, now? Right. <laughs> and then we got it. It's completely different whiskey. Yeah. Th- thankfully, some of those notes stuck around that we found in the original barrel. But you could, it definitely lost something, unfortunately. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good, though. Yeah, it's nice when you're doing a pick and they're just literally going to dump it and bottle it. Like, okay. I'm yeah, Madeira, yeah, Madeira, hold yeah Madeira Diaries. Uh, yeah, that was a nice episode with Nancy Fraley while she was smoking her pipe. Yeah, she was literally smoking her pipe while she's sitting there blending. It was amazing. <laughs> that, that's yeah. So apparently, Jim, I, I'm not a smoker. Uh, you know, I've had some cigars, very few. Uh, I've enjoyed a pipe a few times, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I heard Jim Rutledge was also a big smoker, and mm-hmm. I, I. I would think that that would have consequences for your palate, but maybe they're not bad consequences. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, there's some, maybe I, think they there's help. Some, I think there's some pros and cons to it. You never know how it's going to affect one person's palate. But again, like Jim Rellage is also one of those people. I kind of look, put him in the, like I put him in the, in the, the upper echelon, like with Nancy Fraley and Dixon Dedman, like just guy, like people that just know how to blend. I mean, you can give them any six whiskeys and they'll find a way to blend those whiskeys together to make something amazing. Uh, it's just, it's like an inherent just gift they have. It's amazing. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Tom says that Cameron drums and drams was uh, raving about the starlight double Oak pick we did on his live stream earlier tonight. Awesome. Well, I'll go back and watch that as soon as I'm done here. Cool. Uh, Cam, if you're on, thanks dog. Gotta have him on soon. All right. Uh, what do you think of the blend, Jason? I, I'm I'm loving the blend better than the better than them on its own. I'll tell you that much. Better than the, I think. Some I, of think it's the, uh, or, I think uh, it, it, I kind of I think it approves each one a little bit. Honestly. Hmm. I, yeah, think, I think it's more balanced. It brings greater I, depth to the bottled and bond, and and more intensity to the to the black. I would I think I would agree with you. Exactly, and I, and I think if you if we like if you spent some time and like played with the ratios, you could probably come up with like your perfect you know representation of these two bottles in in one uh, 
in one sitting. So, I mean, yeah. if you're not, if you're not making cocktails and you have these two, try blending them together. It's actually, it works nicely. Yeah. I needed a little, uh, a little cocktail bourbon. Uh, cause most, I've just gotten a lot more selective. Like I don't buy a lot that I'm not sure I'm going to like, um, <laughs> Yeah. I really like sample swapping. You know, it's like if I want to try something, uh, try and get a sample of it so I don't have to invest in a whole bottle. So most of what I have, I really like to drink. But So now I'm well-stocked on my cocktail bourbon. And, who, you know, when you're just outside, you know, chilling with the boys and, and you just want to drink a bourbon without thinking too much about it, either one of these things is going to do the job. Absolutely. I'm really sorry about it. No, I agree All with right, that. well, a couple points couple points of news and then we'll move on to our next segment here which is just to talk about talk about jason and hear more of his story um what's well, this this is exciting news uh the starlight picks we did are out and you know a few people uh patreon supporters they have them already mine are getting shuttled to me from kentucky by eric who i don't know if eric's watching tonight but uh, he's actually down in kentucky right now or on his way and he'll be bringing my bottles back to Wisconsin. Uh, for those of you who are not Patreon supporters, there are some bottles left. I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get future barrel picks um, <laughs> if you're not a Patreon supporter, but you might get this one, and you might get it if you go down in the show notes right now. There are links there to get our barrel picks. There's a double oak rye, which the information that Blake has on his website, Sealbox, right now is wrong. Uh, I put the actual information in the show notes below. You can rest assured you're getting the right thing. And then there's the apple brandy finished bourbon. Uh, if you want to get these, you got to get them like right now. Because after this live stream, uh, Brian and I are going to post these uh, bottles in our local uh, groups that we're a part of on Facebook. So those folks can have a shot. Um, and then after that, uh, tomorrow morning, Blake's going to open them up to Sealbox. So I expect by the end of tonight, there's probably not going to be any left because we only had half barrels of each anyway. Uh, but if you are you know, a fan, a member of Neat Nation, not a, a, a financer of Neat Nation, which is fine, uh, and you want these bottles, go get them right now. Links are down in the show notes. You're welcome, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, uh, granted, I haven't tasted them out of the bottle. We were just discussing that, but <laughs> soon, soon. Uh, we So also in two weeks uh, on the live stream, we'll pop those bottles. Hopefully we'll have Christian Huber from starlight on that uh live stream that's the plan we haven't confirmed that with him maybe we can blow up his dms and get that done uh but two thursdays from now is when we'll pop some and then we will drink them together taste them together on that live stream so i'm gonna try not to taste them before that night uh, but then i'll either be elated or absolutely depressed in the middle of our live stream brian just said how he how can he get some brian you just I just explained it. It's in the links below. Oh, uh, there's also you may have to enter in the password, which is entry proof. If you click on the links, I also put that in the show notes. All right, that's that. Looking forward to getting those bottles. The next barrel pick we hope to be able to do, which I have a call with Joe Henry on Monday, is with Jay Henry Bourbon, just north of Madison here in Wisconsin. I, I, I love Jay Henry. That's another uh, another product of Nancy Fraley's uh, brilliant uh, mind. Mm -hmm. You know, helping out with yeah, they, they make great bourbon. Yeah, Nancy the nose. Yep, Nancy the nose. All right, Jason, let's talk about you, man. Um, let's let's take it back. Let's take it back a, a while. Take it way back, a long back. Time. Way yeah, back. way back. Uh, 
Um, so before bourbon, what what was Jason growing up like? Uh, what was Jason as a kid like? What did Jason <laughs> want to do? What did Jason want to study? Going, you know, high school, college. Well, my my first my first dreams were I was going to be a baseball player. Nice. What was what my, position I, did you play? Uh, well, man, I was uh, I was a catcher and an outfielder only because I had I had a great arm growing up. I was I was blessed mm. with a really good throwing arm, so. Um, I would be throwing out runners or picking off people from, uh, from the outfield. Um, uh, so, well, I mean, growing up for me was, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. It was, you know, I, I was, I was the, the son of an immigrant family, you know, my, my mom and my grandparents that came over from Italy, um, you know, in the, in the fifties and, uh, you know, they set up shop here in, in Long Island. I lived my uh, lived with my grandmother, my grandparents mostly. My grandmother, my grandfather. Uh, it was always a busy house. There was food twenty four seven. I completely, I completely, um, I uh, I give all the credit to my grandma and and, uh, and and her cooking that I felt like, you know, furnished my palate <laughs> mm. uh, to trying all sorts of different foods and getting very very acquainted with different spices and, and different, you know, things to try and sweet flavors and savory flavors and everything that, you know, I kind of grew up with because she was always cooking 24 hours. It was crazy. Um, there was always people coming over and she would just whip up something real fast when somebody came in. It, it was crazy. So, uh, so, you know, I went to school and, you know, uh, as I got through school, I played a lot of baseball growing up. That was kind of my, my, uh, my love. Um, I made it to, I started playing, uh, once I started playing in high school and tried out for the college team, uh, I had a, I kind of got a bad injury. I, I, I dove, you know, in the outfield and I fell on my arm <clears throat> really awkwardly. Uh, it kind of just, you know, I, it, it just like messed up my shoulder to the point where I just really couldn't throw like I used to. Mm. And that kind of, uh, shattered my dreams a little bit. <laughs> Not that I would, not that I would saying I was good enough to play like professional ball, but I, I actually I wanted to take it further just to see where you know you never know where it could have went. So, um, so uh, so after that, that was in that was in college. You said, oh, uh, that was like my last year in high school because I wanted oh, okay. to play in college. Got it, got it. So, and yeah. were you still in Long Island at this time? Yeah, I was still in Long Island. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. move to Queens, so. I lived out in Long Island for a while. Um, was you know was working in uh, Queens. I went to school, went to college at St. John's University. I mm-hmm. got my degree in uh, graphic design because throughout throughout my throughout like my middle school and my high school years, I started drawing and uh, kind of realized that you know I was pretty good at illustration and uh, I wanted to you know possibly turn it into a career. And then at that time, as I got into college. You know, I started looking at different schools that had good art programs, and I I felt like, you know, maybe graphic design is the way that I can go and actually like you know start a career. I, I didn't really want to do illustration; that was very competitive, and I didn't feel like I had the illustrative skills to really you make some good money. You really have to have a knack for it, and I was I was good at it, but I wasn't great compared to some of the other illustrators that you know I hung around with at school. But where I did excel, I think, was the mix of marketing and logo design and, and brand building. And uh, so that's what I went for in college. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, in college is where I got introduced to bourbon. Um, you know, Wild Turkey 101 and Coke and 
Eventually it went to Wild Turkey on the rocks. And then eventually it went to Wild Turkey uh, straight. And then, um, uh, so a little bit after college, I kind of, I wasn't really doing the, the, the scotch too much. I'm sorry, the, uh, the bourbon too much. Then I, I got really into craft beer, which I think a lot of people mm. did at that time. You know, the craft it's a natural beer evolution. Yeah. It's right. a natural evolution. Craft beer was craft, huge. Yeah. Yeah. The craft beer movement like, like took over. I, I really got into stouts and, and, uh, and porters and every as dark and thick and rich as I could find. And I really love that. Um, and then, uh, one time I was at a bar and I was, uh, sitting at the bar with a friend of mine and, you know, he's, he's like, Hey, when was the last time you had a bourbon? I'm like, Oh, it's been a while. So we got a pour of uh, wild Turkey, the old, the old standby. And, um, yep. I'll never forget the bartender. It's a beautiful, like beautiful female bartender. And I was like, I'm like, and she's like, Hey, have you ever had, if you really want to have uh, a real good bourbon, he's like, she's like, you know, try, try this. So she pulled off a bottle of Booker's at the time. And I really wish I knew what batch it was or what the name. I just, I wasn't. How I long wasn't, ago was this? This was in, uh, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe. Okay. I, at least yeah, I think. Vintage then. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, vintage. Like it, was, it was an older <laughs> bottle of Booker's and she yeah. poured it. And I never tasted anything like it. So it was just pure. Um, unadulterated cast strength, non-chill filtered foolproof bourbon. And then mm. after that, I became kind of a regular whiskey drinker. I wasn't still doing it all the time. Uh, when I got the opportunity to move here to Ohio from New York, uh, because of my job, uh, I didn't really know anybody here. So that's when I kind of consume myself with, uh, whiskey and the knowledge of it. And, and so on it went. <laughs> so what were you doing work-wise that, that moved you from New York over to Ohio? And well, what was, was that work- transition like? Because that's a big change. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, I, w- I went to, uh, I went to, I was working at a pharmaceutical distribution company doing all their marketing and all their artistic design and, mm-hmm. um, uh, so as a pharmaceutical wholesaler, you know, we're kind of the middleman between the manufacturers and the independent pharmacies and hospitals and all that stuff. Um, we, the company I worked for had kind of a stranglehold in the Northeast. And now there are three main big companies that do wholesale distribution. And that one big company bought the old company that I was working for. Um, and they're based here in Ohio. So I was working uh, from, I was working for them kind of on a, on a remote, you know, working remote basis. Cause they, they love the work I was doing. So they kind of plucked me out of the New York uh, position and put me on their team. Uh, so I was working from home remotely out of New York and Queens. I lived in Queens for about 12 years before I moved mm-hmm. here. So, uh, you know, uh, so they were like, Hey, you know, and there's a lot of different circumstances that always lead up kind of going through like different chases in my life. And, you know, what just felt right. I was just like, I was in a rut in New York and, uh, you know, I was in a really bad relationship and I felt like once that ended, this was the, it was like the last push I needed to make a new start. So my, uh, my, they offered me, uh, they offered me to, uh, position to come out here if I wanted to, if, uh, I would have had to be around in, in the office for it. So I made the move and yeah, it was a big change, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so like, how how has you're in Columbus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how how do you like Columbus compared to Queens? <laughs> I miss I miss the uh, I do miss some of my old haunting, like the food. Um, yeah, no doubt. Li- sure. I mean, living in Queens, it's the most Queens has the most uh, the most types of food in one given area, like mo- like the like the biggest eclectic array of food in one specific area, I think in the world. I mean, you can go from, you know, Middle East to Russian to Polish to Asian to, I mean, all within the same day. If you just, you know, you play your cards right with the trains and there's no delays, you can literally eat your way around the world within Queens. Um, But I, I will say when I got to Columbus, I was surprised there was a lot more diversity here than I thought. Uh, especially in the in the food realm, and um, and it was all that, and and there was enough here for me to you know kind of you know put some uh, put some roots in the ground and and build a house here and stay here, and uh, you know, and I, I still get to have some of that eclectic food. It may not be as you know diverse with uh, with all my favorite places that I had in New York, especially like I miss Katz's Deli getting a good pastrami sandwich down there every now and then again. But you know, I don't have to deal with all the bullshit traffic like I did in New York. So I'm yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's yeah. There, there's pros and cons, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you a wine guy? I mean, growing up Italian household, New York. I mean, you mentioned craft beer, but did you ever get into wines? Yeah, my, my grandfather was our second. It was our Christmas before Christmas. Uh, every September, my grandfather ordered a uh, a a truck full of grapes from Brooklyn. And uh, when go. it was wine, when it was wine making time, uh, the truck every September the truck would back in. It would be primarily red grapes, but then he had some white grapes mixed in. And um, yeah, we made we made wine for uh, for about a month straight with my grandfather's grapes. We would. Uh, he had some crazy machines that he uh, kind of rigged himself. And um, if you've ever seen one of those old school, like the wine pressers, where it's like the wood slats, um, it's got mm-hmm. basically it's got basically a uh, a ratchet in it that just tightens the the board down and squeezes the juice down as you're cranking the uh, as you're cranking the bar back and forth. And uh, as you use it, the, uh, the the plate inside with all the grapes underneath just kind of presses down. You keep a, just like a barrel under there. It just fills it. And um, yeah, so I, I got to make some wine and, and uh, drink some grape juice. That was always my favorite part. My grandfather would uh, pour some of the fresh grape juice and give it to us. And we felt like we were drinking wine, but obviously, of course, you know, yeah. But like the thing with my grandfather's wine, though, is like as soon as, as soon as it aged enough to turn some alcohol, as soon as it just fermented enough to turn it exactly right when it changed to alcohol he was filling bottles there was no age to that wine at all <laughs> got it it's pretty pretty fresh uh, it'd be yeah, interesting to uh, yeah. taste that like these homemade wines that people crank out yeah, um, yeah was he using uh, natural yeast or what was he inoculating I, I never really saw that process i don't know what he did i just i just know that he would smell he would smell the barrel every day to see how it was cooking in there and see how it was aging mm. and um I, I think as soon as it got as soon as he could smell the proof on it he started filling bottles of it so yeah <laughs> uh, no, no measurement no exact measurement like no just it's all by, like alcohol you know, that was 
It was like the way my grandmother cooked. She didn't have a recipe. It's oh, all sure, instinct. yeah. It's right. all, it's all yeah. instinct. You just you kind of go with the feel of it. So, so being an Italian on, on Long Island, uh, are you familiar with the restaurant Borelli's? Mm-hmm. Borelli's Italian restaurant. There's a yep. there's a podcast I listen to. I'm I'm sorry, Tom, but I'm gonna bring up golf. There's a golf podcast I listen to. <laughs> and one of the hosts is uh his name is Frankie Borelli, and yeah. uh, his dad owns that restaurant. It was just, it's just like worlds colliding a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Not too I mean, there's a, there's a ton. I've not of, been uh, there. Italian. I'm not familiar with Long Island. Yeah, That's just the only Italian thing I know. Um, I, I do miss I do miss the New York pizza. So yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get into pizza, uh, like actually like explore varieties traditions uh yeah. you know different methodologies for making pizza <laughs> unfortunately milwaukee's not great for pizza it's great for some other things like there's a lot of ethnic diversity here a lot of you know good food uh, around but not sure. a lot of great yeah, pizza. For sure yeah every um so, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I could just kibosh it <laughs> we're talking <laughs> over each other it, it's, um, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start getting hungry so <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a dangerous place to be. Is like it's eleven o'clock. You just got done drinking and talking about bourbon, and then you crush a yeah. bunch of food just before going to bed. It doesn't make for good uh, sleep. <laughs> so you're in, uh, you're in Ohio. Uh, you know, you're you're doing the marketing thing. You really fall in love with with bourbon. How long were you um, an enthusiast before you became uh, 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 a pundit? A pundit. Is it pundit or pundit? I think it's pundit. Pundit. Yeah. Oh, just one in. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. How long were you? How long were you an enthusiast before you were a pundit? Uh, so I was. I really started drinking bourbon again around twenty. Uh, right before I moved here to Ohio. So when I was when I was uh, living my last couple years in Queens, I was buying bourbon again and drinking bourbon. And um, I, I wasn't. I wouldn't want. I, I don't know if you would call me an enthusiast at the time. That really didn't start until I got to Ohio in uh, in 20, 2016. and I um, uh, as I said once I moved here, I didn't really know anybody. So as I was, I was literally like setting up my apartment, and I was taking my bourbon bottles out, and um, I'm like, oh, you know what? I should I should try more of this stuff. You know, I have nothing better to do than, but there's probably some stuff out there that I don't really know about. And then I saw YouTube. And I would looked up, um, I was looking up, oh, you know, I wonder how this one is. And I was looking online for like reviews about, you know, X whiskey or X bourbon. And then like videos would pop up on YouTube on my feed. And I'm just like, holy shit. There's a whole, <laughs> there are full channels dedicated to people just drinking this stuff and telling me what you think. Um, and I, I just found it fascinating. I immersed myself with it. Uh, and I just, I was, uh, I think some of the early channels I watched was obviously, uh, Rex and Daniel, the, the whiskey tribe and, um, the scotch mm -hmm. test dummy, scotch test dummy, Scott and Bart. Um, even at the time, Chad and Sarah, you know, it was kind of like my bourbon go-tos mm -hmm. and you know, I learned a lot from them, but you know, I, I was kind of, you know, kind of going back and forth between scotch and bourbon and learning some stuff about Irish whiskeys and, um, I couldn't get enough of it. And then uh, what I did notice is that nobody really was talking about the history of it all. And mm. um, that was something I was very interested in. And uh, who was making it, how it's made, the, the sour mash technique, the sweet mash technique, what's different, entry proof, barrel proof. Um, 
the uh, the terroir, what what's involved in all that? Where 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 are these guys getting their grains from? What's you know what's yellow dent corn versus bloody butcher corn? How does all that? You know, there was nobody taking deep dives into this, and that's what that's what made me start my channel. Was I felt like it was a missing piece to the puzzle, and I felt like I could make a little bit of a niche in myself, and uh, you know, niche for myself with just talking about that stuff, and then with <clears throat> with my marketing and graphic background, I felt like it was kind of a natural you know, natural transition for me. I just, it was just different to talk in front of a camera and kind of do what I do. And I just had to get used to it really. So. Yeah. How long did it take you to get the technical side of your videos down? Meaning that, you know, I went back to your very first video yeah. and prep for this. Um, and you, like all of our very first videos, the audio is not great. And, oh, the audio you know, was terrible. The audio was terrible. <laughs> Well, the audio was terrible on my last video too because I'm still I've got mic problems, <laughs> but I'm close. Um, how long did it take you to to feel like okay, I've got a pretty good routine built on on getting these videos cranked out? Because you, I mean, you do a you do a lot. You produce uh, at a, a pretty pretty healthy tick. Yeah, I, I think my goal in the beginning was let, let me let me start doing just like two reviews a week and let's see how that goes. Um, uh, and as I was deep diving into the history of, of each brand, I, I was figuring that I can't like everything I rehearse before I go in front of the camera. I, I don't always remember. I was saying a lot of ums and uh, and like trying to think and it was driving me crazy just watching that over and over. And besides the audio and the lighting and all that stuff, that's what was driving me nuts more and more. So I was, uh, I, I, I kind of figured out some ways to help me not do that anymore. So once I had that down, I felt like, all right, let me upgrade my microphone here. You know, luckily I was asking Scott and Bart from Scotch Test Dummies. They really helped me along the way with figuring out like a microphone and, you know, how, like what a good setup should be. And, you know, I looked at other YouTubers and, uh, and like what their setup is like. And, you know, you just kind of learn as you go. And then from there, you know, once you kind of have that stuff locked down, it's all about your content. So, yeah. 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 You've got to, you've got to hit a, a bar. Yeah. A bar of I can hear what you're saying and it looks mm -hmm. decent. I found that people who concern consume bourbon content on YouTube, they're not overly picky about how good you look. Like that's not really why we're here. <laughs> it's really <laughs> about like what do you have to say? And 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 yeah. it there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things, so there's not really a right way to go about it and a wrong way. It's that are you delivering something that's of value to the to the community? And certainly, yeah, like yeah. your track record speaks speaks for itself. How long did it take you in terms of like cranking out videos before you were like, oh, people really seem to like re be resonating? I mean, right now you're up to almost fifty thousand subscribers. Like, was it linear? Was there a particular time where you found like, oh, um, you know, for whatever reason, now it seems like people are listening to what I have to say. Yeah, you, you know, that's a, I get that question a lot. And I, I'm not sure exactly when that transition happened. I just think, you know, for me, it wasn't really about the subscribers. I was just trying to put out good content. And then I think at a certain point uh, when... Um, uh, Honestly, I think it was the it was my Russell's Reserve versus uh, Russell's Reserve uh, versus Rare Breed review. Um, that's one of those reviews that I'll always remember. Uh, I know that's one that David Jennings latched onto, and then he kind of got interested in my channel. And then you know, once he started like helping me get a little bit more of a tr of a of a traction, 
Um, uh, I started doing more and then I got into learning more about videography. And I think as the, just as the, as it, as it kept going on and I feel like, you know, you know, a lot of the, the comments I get even still today are, you know, I like your no nonsense, you know, you know, nonsense, like take on whiskeys, you know, just, you just kind of, you talk about the history, you go through the tasting, you tell us what you like. And I think over time people have come to, you know, trust my palate, you know, and even for the ones that don't, they still tune in and just see what I think in general, which is great. So, uh, I just think, uh, overall and, you know, there have been some funny moments in there too, that people resonate with. And, uh, um, I, I really, like I said, I really wanted to hone in on the history and the people that make it. And as soon as I was able to get something like some really cool guests on, you know, the makers of, of the whiskeys, um, I think I started, that's when I really started kind of making, uh, I think headway with, uh, subscribers and, and, uh, and that's where the, the channel really took off. Hmm. So were you referencing the time you fell over as, uh, that's one of the reasons. One of, them. <laughs> one of them, yes, one. So and here's then, the uh, interesting thing about: was that live or was that on a was was that that on was a at, that was at video? the that was at the end of a review I do when I did all the Elijah Craig barrel proofs. I because I, my okay, camera's still it. running as I'm doing it, and when I got right. up, I fell on my ass, and the camera caught it. So I finished. I figured I'd keep it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, th yeah. There, there are people who would cut that out, but I, I think it, it's a lot of respect to somebody who would be like. Well, listen, I'm I'm going to take myself seriously in what I create. Like, I'm going to try and create something <laughs> yeah. good. But I'm also doing this for fun. So, you know what? Yeah. Let's, let's leave it in there and let's have a good time with it. Yeah. Like, a big part of my philosophy is I'll never, ever get to a point where I would want to, you know, have smaller channels on my channel or I couldn't show myself falling on my ass or anything like that. It's it's all it's all fun. And, um, you know, parts, parts of, uh, of whiskey and... The history I do take seriously and my production I take seriously. But when it comes to, uh, you know, interaction and, and falling on my butt, everybody should be able to see that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I think that's, uh, isn't that how Dan and Sean over at the Bourbon Junkies, that's 90% of what they produce, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked I mean, what they did today. They just, uh, they released a video just doing a little bit of, uh, what I'm I'm not gonna say they stole my idea because they they took it deeper than I did, but documentary style of their Starlight pick, um, which I really yeah. enjoyed watching. That I really like um, like golf vlogs. Sorry, Tom, here's golf again. But you know, it's <laughs> like these experiences. A, a lot of YouTube, new YouTube content is like living vicariously, um, yeah. and you know, for yeah. people who can't go on barrel picks or you know those of us who get maybe a little bit more unique bourbon experiences, other people who maybe don't have that privilege still really want to know what it's like. So I liked what Dan and Sean dropped today for sure. Yeah, that was a, that was a big part of uh, my channel doing. I had a, I had a series called off the still um, uh, that I was mm -hmm. working on where it was me interviewing, you know, people at the distilleries that are making. And I got to, my first one was with uh, Elizabeth McCall, who at the time, just was named assistant master distiller at Woodford Reserve. And, um, you know, I was able to like sit down on location and do an interview with her. Mm. I had a lot more, I had a lot more planned to do last year, uh, last year and really take it to another level, but you know, COVID killed that. So I'm hoping to get back to that. Um, bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. Ne next week, uh, we are going to be bringing it back a little bit. I'm um, doing two picks, me and Scott for, uh, the Mashing Journey Whiskey Club. 
We have an Elijah Craig barrel proof pick we're doing. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my Elijah dream pick, Craig. man. Yeah, we're doing, Elijah, we're doing Elijah Craig barrel proof pick on Thursday morning, and then we're going to follow that up on Friday with a Wilderness Trail single barrel rye pick. And I think uh, Scott and I do have plans to do kind of a documentary style thing of the of both picks. Uh, together and it's going to culminate with i think an interview with dr patrick heist at wilderness trail so that's a that's a video that i'm really looking forward to uh to crafting for everybody yeah that'll be fun everybody stay tuned for that i'm sure everybody's as jacked as i am uh so brian says ben ecbp pick yeah um yeah. yeah so why don't you tell folks how they might get access to something like that uh, all you got to do is become a patron. Um, if you're a patron of uh, of uh, the Mash and Drum Whiskey Room, you can get access to the picks. We just released uh, our first pick; just got mailed, and it's starting. People are starting to get their bottles just this week. We did a uh, we did a custom blend uh, with Rye Three, uh, uh, and that's starting to hit. That means Scott had uh, that we created, and we're really proud of it. Uh, to get your first pick out there is is always great, and. Following that, we have a Russell's Reserve pick coming out soon. We have a Lux, we have a Rebel and a uh, and an Ezra pick coming out um, from Lux Row. We have two Bullet picks coming out uh, in the summer. Two Woodenville picks. Uh, we also have this Elijah Craig Barrel Proof pick coming. All right, with- calm down. All right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just letting I'm just letting you know you can get access to all these picks. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. That's you guys are hitting it hard. How did you get hooked up? With, well, first, uh, Tom, would you mind just going ahead and dropping um, Jason's link, Patreon link, in here? Um, and then, Jason, how did you get hooked up with um, Scott? I met Scott through Instagram. Uh, yeah. you know, like five years ago mm-hmm. and we found out we don't live that far from each other. So we've been able to get together a few times, but how'd you get hooked up with him? So Scott was my first, I guess, kind of supporter. He was kind of the guy that, you know, if a new channel starts and I want to have them on my channel, he was kind of that for me. Um, mm. At the time, Scott's was, was a very established channel. He was putting out a lot of content, mainly focusing on craft whiskeys. Um, Oh, Austin Fell says, Jason, the Rye 3 is awesome. Thank you so much, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, oh, yeah, I can't forget about the, the four-gate pick. Yeah, we're doing a four-gate pick, too, which is cool. We have an eight-year we have an no eight-year, we have an eight-year MGP uh, toasted rye that's coming out uh, probably in the next week, probably in the next week or so. So, um, so yeah, Scott was kind of like that for me, and then as we kept talking – uh, we both realized we, we had similar palettes. I mean, I, I venture off more into scotch and Irish than he does. I, I, there are some scotches that I absolutely love. Scotch is still kind of a, it's kind of a foreign entity to Scott a little bit, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying, we're trying to like get him into more of it. Cause I would, I would love to do like an American single malt pick, I think just mm, to nice. Our, our goal with the mash and journey picks is to really create a large portfolio of, uh, of unique and different uh, picks that everybody that, you know, that everybody can, can enjoy. So mm-hmm. um, we, we don't, you know, like, like doing MGP picks is great. Everybody loves MGP, but you know, we want to, you know, kind of do different things some focus on craft, some of the big brands do stuff with some unique finishes on it, American single malt, different categories. And, you know, we did a cognac pick, not with Scott, but I did that with, uh, with uh, bourbon pursuit and uh, whiskey. Yeah, Raiders. I saw that. 
Yeah, so that mm -hmm. was a really fun thing to be a part of. Even though I know I don't know anything about I know how cognac's made, but I don't know shit about it, like tasting it. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to kind of they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just let us know what you think is good. So yeah. And then um uh so yeah, so Scott was that for me. And then as we just kept talking as the years as like a year went on, we um uh we we hung out in Kentucky together, like, hey, I'm going down. You wanna, you know, hang out? I'm you know, he does like a yearly uh, trip to Kentucky with his dad mm -hmm. and he invited me to come and uh, we had just a blast that weekend. And, you know, we talked about, you know, possibly if, if we were ever to do, you know, if we were ever lucky enough to get like battle picks going that we would maybe mm -hmm. want to do them together because we have those similar palettes and uh, we both kind of look for the same little nuances in a bourbon or a whiskey. Um, and uh, yeah, we had the opportunity at the beginning of the year and we did not know how many offers we were going to get. We, we have been very blessed, very lucky to get the type of uh, interest from uh, outside distributors and, and, and brands that want to do a pick with us. And uh, so I, I couldn't be I couldn't be more uh, more more happy that the way it's gone. Yeah, congrats, man. That's I you know I'm watching you guys, and I had no idea you had that many picks coming. That's really really phenomenal. So hats off to you guys. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, it's uh, uh, what level Patreon to get? As long as you're a Patreon, but the higher tier, the higher tier you are, the uh, the the closer you'll get to getting a pick. Preferential so. treatment. Yeah, so it's like the way it works. Ours is the same way. It's the higher tier, yeah. you get first right of refusal, and then it, it works its way down. So if you're on the bottom tiers, there's a chance all the bottles will be gone before they get to you. So yeah, I, I think with my Patreon, yeah, we have a lot of people in like that ten dollar area, which is which is perfectly fine. That's where probably most of the bottles will go. So uh, if I feel like if you're in that ten dollar tier, you'll be safe. But if you're in the five dollars tier, you know there's a good chance you could get yourself a bottle, but also a good chance it could be sold out depending on what it is. So, mm. yeah. Well, let's get back into some whis whiskey geekery. Um, yes, you, know, you mentioned. Geekery. Yeah, you mentioned. Uh, you know, you really fell in love via Wild Turkey and that pour of Booker's. As you mm -hmm. started to taste more and more whiskeys, what are some others that you just found blew you away? Pours that you just remember, you know, that like, oh, wow, like I learned something the moment I tasted that or that whiskey is always going to stay with me. What are some uh, some highlights in, in all your years of tasting all, the, oh, all the whiskeys you've tried now? Yeah, like like Booker's was Booker's was the first one that punched me in the face. That was like, holy shit, I got to try more of this stuff. Mm hmm. Um, the first time I ever, uh, I mean, I know it's kind of a, of a bullshit thing to bring up now, but honestly, I, I had the chance, you know, early on when I first started the channel to try Booker's Rye. Oh and yeah, dude, that, that was, that was one for me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, I, I did not know a rye could be like, like, that was a holy shit moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was, so that was one, uh, for sure. Um, I would say. Probably when I when I started really getting into the nuances of wild turkey as well. I, I mean, you know, I'm a huge wild turkey fan. Everybody knows that. Um, you know, so it's like it's like if you want to talk about like the whiskey journey here, it, it kind of I feel like everyone has the same experience. <laughs> you go, you kind of get all in in the beginning, and you want to buy and try everything you can. Everything. 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 And you're spending money left and right, building a collection and. 
in the beginning, it's it's not only trying what you can, but it's also you want to start building that collection. It's like you know, it's like baseball cards for people with four hundred one k's. You know, you just kind of yep, keep, yeah, yeah. You kind of just keep building up your collection, and you keep going. Um, I'm gonna steal that. Sorry, I just gotta tell you, I'm gonna steal that as a teacher <laughs> idea. And, and then you have, uh, and, and then you have the part of it where, like in the beginning, I'm kind of like I was like everybody else. I needed everything Buffalo Trace because that's what everybody talked about. I needed Elmer T. Lee. I needed Blanton's. I needed, oh my God, God forbid, I ever tasted or tried or even saw a BTAC, uh, my my head would explode. So mm. that's kind of like the initial, like you know. It's like your introduction into buying, like, oh, have you ever had Weller or Elmer T. Lee or Buffalo Trace and all this stuff? So I started trying that stuff and going further along and getting lucky to try uh, a lot of those. I, I'll say the first time I ever had George T. Stagg, that was a holy shit moment. Um, mm-hmm. That opened my eyes to all these flavors I did not know that, uh, that Buffalo Trace had. Um, I will say some of the older, you know, everyone like makes fun of me because I always make fun of Blanton's, but the older bottles of Blanton's that I had in my beginnings, um, I really liked. And I just feel like as I've gotten further on, the hype for it has grown and uh, it's also gotten younger. I mean, we used to be an eight yeah. to nine yeah. year old single barrel. Now we're looking at six years old. So, um, so you have that coupled with a couple of other bourbons, the, I mean, God, what are some? Oh yeah, Colonel Taylor Barrel Proof. That was a holy shit bourbon for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first time I had that. Um, but uh, and the first time I ever had a finished bourbon, a finished whiskey, which was, uh, it was actually the uh, it was an Angel's Envy. That was the first time I ever had something finished in a port cask, and I kind of realized, you know, the effect that that could have, which like kind of opened up, you know, new questions for me. So. Yeah, first time I ever tried Angel's Envy, we were at a coffee competition slash conference, which there are such things, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, and first place we went is the liquor store to decide what we we're going to drink that weekend. And one of the guys on the trip, at the recommendation of a, whoever was working at the store, recommended Angel's Envy. And so yeah. I, we, we were doing pulls of Angel's Envy from the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was very early into my whiskey journey, but it was like, oh, this is this doesn't taste bad. This is not the same stuff. This is not Bullet, which was the only yeah. other yes, American whiskey I was really familiar with at the time. Like, there's something else here. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, um, and just yes, yeah, sweet, like sweet and fruity. Yeah, it's just like, and then you just kind of discover brands, and then I really wanted, I really focused on my palate. So I was, I was drinking Jim Beam for like three weeks straight. And just like trying to pick apart every single part of Jim Beam I could. And then I introduced like Elijah Craig to the mix and Heaven Hill products. And then I was trying those and trying to figure out what the differences are. And I did that with a lot of brands to try to get my palate up to snuff before, you know, really getting Mm -hmm. into doing the videos. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Through all the all the journey, you know, you you accumulated a collection this is a natural natural part of the progression a natural part uh, of it it's, it's a natural part of the problem <laughs> yeah i gotta ask this question it's just what we do um what how many bottles are we talking about now like somebody else asked a question in the chat earlier too um when's the last time you did inventory i actually did an inventory a couple months ago because i was cleaning out some of the older bottles i had and making room for newer ones and um, I actually took what, what happens is my old bottles I take from down here and I move upstairs. Um, and then I, so that if it's upstairs, I don't have to go down here and I could just kind of use those bottles and go through those before I get rid of them. Uh, so I kind of 
I kind of interchanged them out. But the last time I did an inventory, um, I was at uh, 672 bottles. And then uh, I could I could say the last couple weeks it's gone over 700 because I've I, I've gotten most of these bottles up here all new. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about those. Yeah. No, no, normally we start the pot out with this question, but what did you get this last week? What what, what was hunting like for you this week? Uh, so Ohio was pretty slim pickings this week. Um, there wasn't a lot that came. Now in. you picked up. You picked up Evan Williams bottled and bond. I picked up Evan Williams bottled and bond today, so that was my big pickup. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so let me so let me see. I I grabbed what else did I grab this week? And here in Ohio, I felt like I bought something else, and I'm just not remembering. Um, oh yeah, I actually bought a scotch. <laughs> I did buy a scotch. I got the uh, the Ardbeg, the uh, the Lagavulin um, 11 year uh, Guinness finish. Which will be my oh, next? Oh yeah, review. I just saw a commercial for that. Yeah, that'll be my that'll be my next review. So, did you pop uh, it yet? I did. I popped it because with anything with Lagavulin and peated Scotch, I like to get a few pours and let it open up because I feel like the the flavors really kind of get more true to form when you let a little air, especially for a peated Scotch. Mm-hmm. You want to give um, us a preview of that? Of what I'll, you I'll of say. That I'll say just mainly because I'm curious. I'll say the Guinness influence on it is it's there. There's you could definitely is that a good thing or a bad? You thing? could definitely smell it. I I'll say this: the nose on it, I could smell all day long because it definitely reminds you of that, like a a Lagavulin that just has that smoke to it, but with the chocolate mm-hmm. and the and the um, you definitely get a little bit of that Guinness bitterness too on the nose as well. But I feel like on the on the mm-hmm. palate. On the palate, I feel like the Guinness overtook the Lagavulin a little bit. Not in terms of smoke. The Lagavulin for me has always had like this smoked peach or like smoked citrus, like floral note to it. Not citrus, sorry, citrus is the wrong word. Like smoke, like stone, stone fruit. Stone fruit. Like, yeah. yeah, like peaches and and uh, and like grilled uh, grilled uh, like grilled peaches that you would have on a, on a barbecue, and and you kind of get that with a lot of Lagavulin uh, for me personally. And I felt like that's kind of went away a little bit, and the Guinness and the bitterness kind of took that over. So I was looking for that on the palate as I was tasting it. Um, so when I do the review, probably actually film it tonight. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Sweet. Well, you're yeah, gonna be up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I got these the, the new Four Gate Kelvin Collaboration Three uh, last week. The um, these old Carters. Uh, I was lucky enough to grab the. These are the brand new. They they released seven eight nice. nine ten. They released seven eight nine. They're never 10. released in Wisconsin. I know. Up here. This is nine. This is ten. Um, one of my patrons actually sent me the uh, the Four Roses limited barrel from twenty twenty, which I never got a chance to get. Wow. Um, this is what an angel. This is an Angel's Envy uh, store pick, which I figured. I don't know if I'll ever see this again, but I figured I'd give it a go. Um, and what else? I got three bottles from ASW, which is, uh, that craft distillery in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Which yeah. I, really I tasted lucky. through a few of those. Yep. And, um, what else? Wow. Uh, that was a busy week, dude. And, and, the, and the two, and the two Stellums, the, uh, the new one, the new, the new budget labels yeah. from, from, from barrel. Those are, I didn't get these all this week, but these are kind of the newest acquisitions I could think of. Yeah. I read a review about the Stellum. Yeah. Um, seems fine. 
Um, it's it's a very solid fifty five dollar bottle of uh, of MGP forward whiskey. I would say. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. got Tennessee up in there too. Yeah. 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 Which I like. I mean, if it's well aged, I like it. Everybody knows that I'm a big fan of the Dickel. If it's older, um, it's when it's younger, it can get pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, my only pickup this week, which with a little help from my friends, but I really wanted this one was the uh, the Pfeiffer Pavit Exo Bardstown oh, release. So I got to try that in oh, the last you? time. I- the last time I was in Kentucky, me and Scott, with our significant others, we went for lunch at Barstown Bourbon Company, and uh, Danny, who's uh, you know the barrel specialist, yeah, great there, guy, yeah, great guy. yeah, we uh, we interviewed him. He's on the pod. First episode actually was with yeah, Dan Cowboy. absolutely phenomenal guy. He uh, he brought us over uh, glasses of that barrel, and he was telling us that in a couple weeks we're going to be offering up for you can fill a, a, a bottle of this, and uh, we were like. And um, my girlfriend, who does not like whiskey, tried that stuff, and she's like, "Oh, I could drink this." I'm like, "Great! It's yeah. probably like a two hundred dollar bottle. That's perfect." So. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> not not cheap taste. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, actually, Brian was supposed to pick me up one of these, and then he bailed on me to go get um, himself a lot B, which was fine. I can't blame him, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Brian, if you got me another one, I'll take it. That's fine. Um, if you ended up going, but he told me he didn't go. So somebody else, a uh, uh, fan of the show, who I'll have on when I pop this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she was driving through uh, Kentucky and asked for some recommendations, um, and so I gave them to her, and then she also helped me get this. I did pay for it though, to be clear. So I was yeah, not I'm, gifted. Uh... Was not gifted this bottle. <laughs> Yeah, when I get to uh, Kentucky next week, I'm hoping there's some of that left. I, I'm going to see if I can maybe get a bottle of that. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's one of those, it's certainly at a price point where it's probably not going to fly. But um, at yeah, the same and it's a, time, I mean, to, to be finished in that Pfeiffer Pavit for 44 months, it's insane. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's really why I wanted it. It was like, yeah. that is unique. Nobody does that. Yeah, like, nobody, that is, yeah nobody's aging Dickel like that for 44 months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Derwake just said I get so confused between this channel and drums and drams. Well, I have a beard and Cameron does not. So that is the that's the differentiator right there. Yeah. Um beyond that, actually I play the drums as well, so there's not much difference between Cameron and I. His videos are a little bit brighter because I feel like uh well he uses an actual light and I use an IKEA lamp and I'm in a basement. So <laughs> that's, that's probably what the difference is. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Cameron from Drum and Dre, you know, he's a Columbus guy too. So, wow, there's yeah, there's quite an Ohio contingent of, yeah. of whiskey, whiskey geeks, and Scott and I from Wisconsin. Um, is there anybody else? In, I mean, there's some some of the smaller channels. Rock Gut Review would be one. Wisco Whiskey Review uh, would be one. Yeah, so there's a decent amount. There's a there's a great uh, Wisconsin Facebook page to the Speakeasy. So if you're in Wisconsin and you love bourbon, you should try and join the Speakeasy underscore WI. They do some picks periodically with the local stores around. They generally do a great job. So mm-hmm. good good group of folks over there. Yep. So what's next for you, Jason? I mean, you mentioned all these barrel picks, the project with Scott, uh, Mash and Journey, barrel picks. That's awesome. But uh, tell us where you want to take your your channel. Like, you know, five years down the road, ten years down the road, God forbid you got hit by a bus. 
<laughs> what did you what do you want to have done? What do you want to have done for the industry or, or for your patrons or you know, what's that that legacy? Yeah, I mean that's a tough question. I just I don't think I figured that out yet. I, I think um I think for me it's you know, I, I never wanted to get into this to um I think uh you know get the most subscribers. That just wasn't kind of my deal. I, yeah. I wanted to educate and really talk about the whiskey and build enough of a representation for my channel uh, in the in the whiskey industry and one that's uh, one that's well respected. Um, I think I've I think I've done a good a good portion of that. But, you know, I, I think I just want to get to a point where, you know, when people think of, you know, the mash and drum, they can think of it as a trusted resource for. Uh, good, solid reviews, and um, and uh, someone that's not gonna, you know, bullshit you, and just uh, keep it real. And uh, if I could, I, I think my goal right now is for the for the, like the next year. If I'm looking, if I'm projecting a year out, and and now that if COVID stuff starts loosening up, I really want to get on the road. I want to go visit and talk to the distillers and talk to the makers and the blenders that are all creating and crafting this whiskey that we know and love and talk to them on a personal level. And I feel like for me, I love talking with people and, um, and, and learning and looking them right in the eye and, and trying to get like their, their emotion and trying to figure out their passion and why they do what they do. And uh, I, so that, that's for me is kind of the next step. I really want the barrel picks are, are great. Doing the reviews are great. Um, doing live streams are amazing because you get to interact with your audience. But I think for me, um, the more I can talk to the people that are making the whiskey and educate, and uh, so everybody out there knows exactly what's in your bottle and why this specific whiskey is special. If if somebody thinks of oh, if you want to, if somebody like on the street like randomly that that's like a whiskey enthusiast, if they say hey, you know, what about you know, what do you think about this whiskey? And if they automatically think, let me let me see if Mash and Drum has a video or or. If, he knows anything about it. I feel like I, I've I've done my job. Sweet. Yeah. I'm going to take it one level deeper. And this is, again, a question that you're subjected to because all of our guests get subjected to it. We're going to take it to a philosophic level. So hope you're ready. Yeah. How do you define your purpose? Or do you do you think of life in that way? Like you're beyond whiskey. Within whiskey no, or outside no. of whiskey? It's it's just generically. It's more like when you get up in the morning, you know what what kind of crosses your mind in terms of who do you want to be, um, and and you know how do how do you hope to carry yourself in the world? Uh, for me, it's uh, I actually have a tattoo to my arm right here. Um, oh, nice. It's it's, uh, it's it's Italian, but it it's it's live today as if you'll die tomorrow in Italian. So how you say it nice. is come se moriato domani. So. Uh, Viva, viva oggi come se moriato domani. So that's what's on my, uh, that's what's on my arm. So I always feel like I'm always going to, uh, you know, live for today and, and uh, whatever that may bring, make the most of it. I, I've never, you know, I mean, it sounds cliche and maybe cheesy, but if I can just like make someone laugh or smile every day, then I feel like I'm good. Mm. Um, I'm not, I am not an angry person. Um, if you, uh, I am Italian though. If you get my blood boiling, you don't want to see that. There's a bad side. There's a dark it's a very, side. It's a very bad side. Yeah. And it's like, it, you know, I also have that problem that a lot of Italians have, which is the, um, the, uh, 
the grudge. So if you oh, if nice. you wrong me or talk shit about me, you you'll I'm definitely gonna remember it like forever. So <laughs> got it. Everybody take notes. Is never <laughs> joke about other channels. We can't joke about Jason. You you could you could joke about me, and I have no problem. I, you know, I could make I poke fun at myself all the time, but you know, if it gets to like a personal level, then we're done. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I I hear definitely hear that totally. Hear yeah. That. What what in the whiskey industry right now is exciting to you? I mean, you uh, of course spend a lot of time talking with folks, exploring stuff, reading the news, chatting with you know industry insiders. What are you jacked about right now? I feel like the the thing that I'm loving right now is the community behind or within um, certain like a certain aspect of craft whiskey. Uh, I think there's a lineage now of amazing distillers and, and people that are trying to craft new uh, new whiskeys, new using new and innovative grains, and uh, pushing the envelope with innovation in the industry. Uh, and sometimes that means going back and doing something old school, but just doing it in a new way, uh, which I think we've seen a lot in uh, in distilling as well. Uh, you know, I bring up Spirits of French Lick all the time. I think that's a really good mm -hmm. representation what Alan Bishop is doing uh, with 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 hit what what he's doing at Spirits of French Lick. Uh, you have Leopold Brothers in uh, Colorado. What they're doing, they built a three chamber still to try to replicate an old rye whiskey from uh, you know the the early from the 1800s, which I think is just ridiculous. And I I want to taste that stuff so bad. Um, uh, but I feel like there's like a there's a movement within that that's not only driving innovation in craft, but it's also driving innovation uh, with the you know the the heritage distilleries. Um, mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing in the craft movement is driving more innovation in the uh, with the the heritage guys as well. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the heritage guys can bring out they have the the means to bring out ultra age stuff. Um, they can bring out some really great special editions, but I mean, do we really think that we would have seen like a little book series from Jim Beam if we hadn't seen some of the some of the uh, the, the 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 craft distilleries pushing the envelope with using different grains and such? Um, I just think it's it's fascinating. I think they're all connected in a very interesting way, and I can't wait to see. But I think there's a double-edged sword to that too, because I feel like we're also going to see a lot of these craft distilleries that opened up in the last five or six years that we're going to we're going to know which ones that are in it to win it or which ones are going to fall by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's some there's some uh I think we'll we'll see a little bit of of um, you know, condensing going on as well as we get further down the line. Uh but you know, craft distillery craft distilleries I think right now it's really where it's at. I think they're the ones pushing the envelope and innovating and you know, it's just I mean, I love some of these new releases that, you know, distilleries come out with. Um, and, you know, like I'm um, really excited for the Wild Turkey 13, uh, the, the Russell mm -hmm. Reserve yeah. 13 year yeah. single battle. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, I want that so bad. But Yeah, agreed. Know, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's great to see distilleries doing this. And, you know, Heaven Hill turns out a special edition like every other week, it looks like. Um, and, uh, but you know, another, but the other side of that too, is I'm getting really sick of the source stuff that we're seeing in different bottles sure, and different yeah. brands. If you're not, if you're not, um, educated to know what's in that bottle, you know, I think it's, a, it could be a tough go for a lot of people because 
you know, I mean, the amount of sourced Barton juice that's out there in, pretty a bevy, in a bevy of different labels with a bevy of different price points is, is it's, it's insane. I mean, how many of the, the 78 and a half corn, uh, the, that, that bean profile did we see and how many brands? I mean, Chicken Cock was asking 250 for it. Um, mm. Doc Swinson's had it for 120, 130. It was the same shit. Why am I paying two fifty yeah. here, one thirty here? It's the same stuff. That's what I mean. If you don't yeah. know what's out there, you don't know what's in the bottle. It it gets tough. So I that's why I kind of I kind of moved past a little bit of the source stuff. So for me in my journey now, yeah, I, I get it. So I could review it, um, but at the same time, I want to see what's new out there. What what are these uh, craft distilleries doing? How are they pushing the envelope? And what are they making that's different and unique? Why, why should I be checking them out with, you know, except the other one down the street? So, yeah, I would say I'm an equal opportunity, uh, drinker, um, but, but with a pretty discerning palate, like I know what I like. And so I want to find that. And honestly, I don't care if it's, you know, 78, five bean profile, cause that's pretty good stuff, but oh, I don't awesome want to spend two fifty for it. You know, the mm-hmm. doc Swinson's unfortunately was not released in wisconsin totally what about that for sure but then there's also these the reason i am doing this craft whiskey journey is because i wanted to taste a hundred different ones and say what because i didn't know them very well i want to say what is good out there that i'm just not aware of that i can you know go find and drink and enjoy and uh thankfully you know you know folks have given me just i've got so many samples that folks have sent me to help with it and it's amazing you know the the community that help you explore it and that's really Um, that's really that's really cool of you to do and really uh smart because i think it just opens your palate up to so many new types of you know you talk about a you know the the scotch guys talk about the differentiation in in scotch profiles across scotland and, and that's definitely a thing Based on the terroir, the location, the style they make, peated, unpeated, sherried scotch, non-sherried, coastal, salt, yeah, lininess. It's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. You you uh you kind of look at the flip side with American whiskey, like oh bourbon's bourbon. It's not really that anymore. American whiskey has such a grand scale now of a flavor profiles. When you look at terroir and and look at what they're making in, you know, Washington State into Colorado, going down into Texas, and that's a whole nother profile. You know, getting into Wisconsin and getting into what they're making here in Ohio, everything, especially if they're doing grain to glass, there's a very, very distinct opportunity to taste something very unique, very linear, very, um, uh, you know, something that's ubiquitous within their own state that makes it a true craft whiskey. Uh, And I think that's the beauty of it right now. Mm. What's grinding your gears? Like, what are you seeing, whether it's in the bourbon media, whether it's in the industry, but what are you seeing that's just, uh, like, kind of chaps your butt cheeks? Uh, I, I think one thing for me, well, secondary has always pissed me off. I mean, I mean, elaborate let's, on let, that. Let, let's be honest. I, I still do. I'll, I'll go on secondary every now and again, especially if I have to get a bottle that I can't get myself. And the only way to acquire it sometimes is through secondary. And while, while I can appreciate that part of secondary, it's still, a, it's still a risk. And you're also getting fucking hosed on pricing. Um, I think some brands stay close to the realm of retail. Uh, but, you know, anything Buffalo Trace gets blown up out of proportion, which really way out of proportion. Off, way out of proportion. Um, a lot of the stuff that we see sourced from MGP, 
like New Riff, for example. New Riff released that 15 year, which was part of their old stocks. Yeah, yeah. That thing sold out in like seven seconds. And I think two hours after the sale was over, I saw a guy had it on secondary for $1,500. <laughs> he probably didn't even have the bottle in hand. He probably didn't have the bottle. He had a photo of it. Yeah. Right. Um, st- stuff like that, I think, has gotten, it's gotten really, uh, it's gotten more cutthroat. It's gotten more ugly. I think yeah. people, people are utilizing secondary as a form of steady income now. It's not mm-hmm. just a Oh, hobby. yeah. No, that's verified. Like, yeah, people are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's steady income. It's, uh, yeah. it, and you can't, if you fuck with that, they'll come after you. Um, you can't, you know, mess with their, don't mess with their, their source of income. Yeah. Um, and I get that part. Uh, but it's, you know, but you know, the other side is people have built really great relationships to the secondary market as well. But I just, I can't take the pricing. I think Dusty Bourbon, which was kind of like a really fun novelty, like to yeah. get now, has very much gone in price, like just out outside of the the realm of like Wild Turkey 12-year cheesy gold foil. You could find that last year or the year before for about maybe four or 500 bucks if you were lucky. Now it's going for $1,400, $1,500. Um, uh, so we're seeing this huge, and it seems every year, the valuation of, of, of these bourbons, especially from Buffalo Trace, just go nuts. I, I don't know where these yeah. guys get the valuations from. It's a completely made up number. Uh, based on the value and the rarity, I think this bottle is worth $2,000. Like, where are you getting that? Like, what, like, where does that, and what's sad is, is it, it trickles down to the, trickles down to the, uh, to like the liquor stores. Some of them, they'll, they'll price some of these rare bottles accordingly, depending on what yeah. secondaries has them at. Yeah. Uh, so, Which so that really, for the rest of us, <laughs> yeah, that really, that really chaps my ass. Um, yeah. uh, also, yeah, the, the amount of sourcing, which I just mentioned in, in, in multiple labels, multiple bottles, uh, I just I can't take it. If I see one more freaking Barton sourced single barrel for $200, I, I'm going to buy it and just smash it because I can't take it. It's, just, it's, too, it's too much of it. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, you can say the same for MGP stuff, although the highly aged MGP stuff we're not going to be seeing anymore. That that well has won has run dry. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, dude. Although i i gave this as I gave this as a tip, I'm gonna throw it out here again because it's still <laughs> on the shelf. But yeah. guys, okay. Last time I'm gonna tell you guys this, but this is 10 year MGP rye. Yeah, it was ninety dollars. You can go get it. It's a total. <laughs> so yeah. I. Uh, yeah, um, and you can still get a few of these redemption barrel proof uh, MGP uh, nine, ten year, eleven year old rise and bourbons for less than a hundred bucks. I don't know why people aren't buying them; they're crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's got a little crazy. I mean, I, I just hope some of these some of these guys that are getting into bur- uh, another one that that is another one that that annoys me a little bit. And it's not everyone. I think there are some good names and celebrities that have gotten into the whiskey game that have made some decent products. But, you know, like like Sweetens Cove, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, dude. That's the... <laughs> why, that's why, good... am I, why am I paying $225 for a, for dickle, a, dickle? Blend, for a dickle blend when I could, right. get a, I could get a 15-year single barrel that's high proof? Yeah, there you go, for 60 yeah. bucks. Yeah, and this is great stuff, it's, man. Yeah, it's great. Like the higher proof Dickel 15s are amazing. So it's, you know, some of that stuff because, you know, you put Marianne Eve's name on it. 
who I respect greatly. I think, uh, you know, she does a great job. She knows what she's doing when it comes to blending. Uh, but, you know, you throw Peyton Manning's name on it. You throw a couple of famous golfers' names on it. And I'm going to pay 200 for that. I mean, I feel like there's a very thin line between, you know, trying to make something that means something and then just a money grab. And I think as we go further down the line here, that that picture starts to become a lot clearer. Yeah. Would you say we're, do you think we're in a bubble, Jason? I mean, in like what goes up must come down. It's happened before. But what is your general assessment of where the whiskey industry is right now? Uh, I, I still think we're, I still think we're far from seeing the bubble burst. Honestly. Um, I, I feel like, uh, now I, I do, I do think there is some possible, uh, like people getting sick of the chase a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I've sensed that in, uh, in some people where, you know, a couple of guys that I know who spent the last couple of years chasing some of these bottles and, wanting to collect and as you know they kind of got in on it a, a little bit of an early stage and now that there's so much more people you know a lot, so much more people uh um in on it and, and trying to score these bottles um and listen i mean as a whiskey tuber i know i'm part of the problem sure i'm part, yeah, I'm part, I'm part of the yeah. problem why some of these bottles go up in price on secondary and social media i realize that if i say that this freaking bourbon is one of the best i've had I, I know there's an effect to that. And I think, you know, as whiskey tubers, we have to own that. We can't shy away. Oh, I, you know, that wasn't me. We have to own that part of it. We, we do contribute to some of the ridiculousness, unfortunately. Um, you know, but uh, I think in, in, you know, some of my people that I know, uh, especially locally here, I think they've just gotten kind of sick of the chase. They're, they're starting to, to flip the switch where there's so much good whiskey now being made in the last several years that have hit the shelf now that they don't feel like they need to chase all these single barrels in 13 year and the, and the stuff they're educated enough to know now what is available on the shelf when they're just done. Now, whether that keeps going to more people as we go forward, time will tell. Will. Yeah. My concern is that, I'm I'm hearing myself talk a little bit. Maybe I talk too loud. That happens to me at work meetings too. Either the gain's too high on my microphone. Yeah. Whoops. Or I just talk way too loud. Um I think that there's so much whiskey being held below bars, you know, among you know, enthusiasts or people who are accumulating, you know, eventually they're gonna want to liquidate that. You know, no one like so many of us have more bourbon than we'll drink the rest of our lives. You have six hundred some on bottles. You're gonna die. Before yeah, I'm not. Drink. I'm not drinking. Yeah, right. It's like, no way. <laughs> yeah. So it's like with that knowledge, at some point, whether whether you know people pass away, you know, odds are pretty good. I think the, the, the I think there is a bubble because of this massive accumulation without consumption. Yeah. Either tastes yes. change, or the environment we're in is gonna change probably mm-hmm. before we pass away to the point where we've got way more whiskey than we know what to do with. And we're going to want to try and get rid of it. We just general whiskey collector enthusiasts. Yeah, absolutely. When that happens, there's going to be just an unbelievable amount of unicorns. I think that people are trying to get rid of through a secondary market through auctions. And it's just going to be like nobody, everybody's going to be, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars deep in whiskey that they actually can't get rid of in that moment. 
Because yeah. I, I don't think, just watching the cyclical nature of beverage consumption, that it's going to go on for 40 years. I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see like a dramatic change in consumption in the next five to 10 years. At yeah. the same time, people do need to be careful because don't just assume you're always going to be able to get rid of, you know, your four roses barrel picks. Like it, it just may not be that way. So yeah, I, exercise I caution. We don't, Proceed yeah, we don't, with caution. Yeah, you just don't know when that, when that like, switch is going to flip on someone where they're they're in they're all in on getting as many single barrels and stuff as they can and then they're just like you know what i'm okay just buying old forester 1920 the rest of my life i'm good mm -hmm. you know so yeah. i think they're but as far as like a bubble bursting i don't think we've gotten to that point yet it, it's not i don't think it's gotten to the point where i i look at it as a, you know i compare it a lot to the to the beer to the beer boom you know we spoke about that earlier you know the like how many craft is how many craft uh beers like hit at like the the that time where it yeah. was just, like i mean it was nuts how many craft breweries were starting up yeah but um, i mean in milwaukee we lost like half of them in the last three years so so i think i think bourbon and american whiskey is kind of in the middle of that right now i don't think it, it's it's it hasn't happened yet because it's still a lot of these distillers are still pretty new but I feel like it's going by the way that the beer industry did, where a lot of these guys are getting into it to make, they really want to make whiskey, just like those guys really wanted to make beer because everyone was making all these cool craft beers. Now we're making all these craft whiskeys. You know, as we go forward here, what's going to happen? Is it going to be something that's sustainable or are we going to start seeing some of those disappear, as we mentioned earlier, because the ones that are doing it right and the ones that are able to make it sustainable or, or, or playing the market in a smart fashion uh you know we don't we don't know how that's going to look down you know over time as well right embellished podcast drop an interesting comment i think the u.s as a whole is slowly trending to pre-prohibition alcohol consumption roaring 20s mm -hmm. uh levels that will result in the whiskey boom lasting for another 20 years maybe embellished but here's another thing to watch is the health environment like we are a culture the western western civ that is more health focused than ever ever mm -hmm. ever ever and one of the biggest uh growing industries is nutrition and uh if you look at sort of the alcohol industry one of the biggest growth areas seltzers like mm -hmm. a healthier alternative and mocktails non-alcoholic beers um and you're and, seeing uh, massive growth in that and what, and what do they call them uh dry bars Right, right. So it's like there's actually s some momentum against alcohol consumption, which is not bad. Alcohol is bad for you guys. <laughs> we are poisoning our bodies with alcohol. That is the nature of this. Um, now it's not like poison at a level we can't handle. Drink in moderation. Please drink responsibly. All of that. Um, but that said, that that is part of the culture that we exist in, and that can gain momentum. Like you just never know how far something like that will go. Like in prohibition it was like a moral approach it wasn't health-based it was more moral morally based that resulted in prohibition but you never know when you might have health regulations or taxes as we've seen in tobacco really cause problems for an industry that said i, I do think that you know cigarettes should be taxed through the nose i'm not pro cigarette yeah. that's neither here nor there but we should watch out for that within yeah. alcohol yeah for sure all right, one more topic. I generally try and wrap this up at 10 because of work and family and, and that stuff. Uh, and that yeah. is 
you know, beyond the time you fell recording a video, what are some things you look back on and you're like, well, that was a fail. Either you left a bottle on the shelf. Like I, I can think of a couple bottles I'll name in a minute that I left on the shelf that I'm just like, why, why did I do that? I didn't realize what I was looking oh, at. Man. I, I remember, um, doing, I remember do, doing some crazy blind tastings in the beginning. And by the time I finished, I was drinking all this high proof stuff. And by the time I was done, I didn't remember what I picked, what I, what was in what glass. Huge, huge fail. Huge just, fail. just getting smashed doing. Just your getting tasting. smashed, and, and I and I always said like I don't want to drink enough. I want to get smashed because I don't have anybody next to me to pick me up. I got to carry this. So if I'm <laughs> if I if I get drunk, that's it. The show's over. So I remember yeah. a couple times that happening. That was kind of a big fail. Um, I feel like there's probably enough people watching youtube videos though that they, they kind of tune in for that though They're like oh yeah for sure I mean, uh, yeah the, the fuck the the fbo train moment with fred minnick was classic uh that was an amazing uh interview mm. um an amazing like you know two days that we had me and fred i think we're yeah. trying to get we're trying to do that again real soon he was oh great he, he was just in the thick of uh of uh of a war time so he's you know one of the tasters at san francisco and so you know he was he's been busy with that so we're hoping to get something on the book soon were there any particular bottles that you left on the shelf that you're just like i can't believe that i sh- i can't believe i passed on that i had a shot at it and i left it oh man um which bottle i mean there's been a few i'm trying to think uh i did have hmm yes i i had an opportunity back in the day to buy um and al young four roses mm. and uh it was it was still pretty pricey for me at the time and i i kind of knew it was a special edition but i didn't it like four roses at the time didn't resonate enough with me that i felt like i should mm. get that and now that i look on it now that's a bottle that i always regret not buying yeah if I ever had a shot at buying it and didn't buy it, I would regret that. But I never even had a shot. So. Yeah, I had a shot. I like I was looking at it, like I was staring mm-hmm. at it. And the guy's like, "Hey, we got this. It's a it's a new one." It's. I was like, uh, "That looks." I'm like, "What's uh, like?" I just didn't know enough about what it meant and yeah. the roses. And I, I, I still when I'm on when I am like uh, you know like looking on secondary to see what prices are at, I still see that bottle now, and um, now it's going for like two grand. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's escalated for sure. Thankfully, uh, Brian and, uh, Brian did another, let me try it, so I was able to at yeah. least try it. But, and and a cheaper bottle that I regret not buying a bunch when I when I first moved to Ohio and I was kind of starting to buy bourbon a lot. One of there was a local store here that had like a whole fucking row of Elmer T. Lees on the shelf. Ooh, wow! And I you know I remember looking it up. Elmer T. Lee, forty dollars, pretty solid bourbon, and Didn't I was like. <laughs> I kind of passed on it, and God, did I wish I stocked up because <laughs> out of all the Mashville 2 stuff from uh, from Buffalo Trace, Elmer, there's something about the Elmer T. Lee bottles that that I really that I really enjoy, mm. and I just I just wish I was able to get more of it, and uh, I I wish I fucking stocked up on that so so bad. I really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, I've I've never had a bottle of Elmer, never had a bottle of Rock Hill Farms, but out of the two, I've had pours. I think I would take Rock Hill Farms out of the two. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, that's, my preference, that's but... yeah, a lot of, yeah, I, I could see. See, I, I've only ever had one bottle of Rock Hill Farms. Mm-hmm. So, and my single barrel that I have, it's good, but I still prefer Elmer T. Lee better. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine there's probably some really amazing single barrels of Rock Hill Farms that sure. are out there that I haven't gotten to try. 
So, yeah, I uh, I could have bought six of the uh, Ezra Brooks twelve year the blue wax. Um, oh wow! Yeah, they were just sitting on the bottom shelf in a liquor store, and the wax was all messed up, which I, made me hesitate. I'm like, you know, like somebody—it looks like somebody tampered with this stuff, and I didn't really know about it. <laughs> this was in like 2017, uh, 2016 or 2017. Yeah. Um, and then you know, eventually somebody got wise, and they're like, "Screw it, I'm buying it. I'm drinking it. I don't care what the wax, <laughs> wax looks like." And so it's yeah, that was brutal. And then early on, um, you know, I had a shot at um, Elijah Craig eighteen for eighty bucks, which you know you'll never find it anywhere close oh, yeah, to that now. Yeah, but that was before I had ever bought my first bottle of Elijah Craig. Period. I remember texting a a, a friend, and I said, "Hey, you know, like there's Elijah Craig eighteen here for eighty. Um, and he's like, well, you know, it's pretty good. Um, you know, get it if you want it. But I was like, 80 is so much like early, you know, when you get into it, 50 seems like a lot, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do that. So then I bought standard Elijah Craig and I loved it, you know, it <laughs> yeah. but now I'm like, wow, I could have bought Elijah Craig 18 for $80 and I did not, um, you know, in Wisconsin, most of the fines like, oh yeah, I see that I I've bought them. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. hard to mess up too much because there's just not that much stuff here. Uh, but though, yeah, those two in particular are ones like I, yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, I mean, even and, yeah, but, and, and it's hard when you when you go when you're out and you're bourbon hunting, especially in different states. You know, it, it's hard not to pull the trigger on a bottle, especially even if it's you know if if it's overpriced or over retail, because you know there's always that part of you that just always thinks I don't know if I'll ever see it again. So yeah. You know, yeah. The last time I saw Stag Junior was a few years ago, and it was eighty bucks, and I passed on it at eighty because I had been seeing it for sixty and sixty-five, and oh, then I never saw, never saw yeah, it. Yeah. Again. You never see it again. <laughs> Man, come on! Yeah, that's like that's and like I'm, my I'm, dream. That's like my dream barrel pick to do is I do a, one of those Stag Junior picks that are hitting the market. But uh, you, well, you can't complain because you get to do an Elijah Craig barrel proof pick. Yeah, I get. I'm, so. I'm doing an Elijah Craig barrel proof pick next week, so that's not too bad. Yeah, uh, Cam jumped on here. Drums and drams. Love this collab. Uh, the entry proof picks are killer. The Rye is special, and the Apple Brandy finish is quickly becoming one, my daily. Uh, that's awesome to hear. Uh, as I said, I haven't had them since we picked them. So two weeks from now, we'll pop them on the live stream, and that so, will so be so tell me, so tell me, so these are the, as he's talking about the Starlight picks. Yeah, yeah. So, so we so did two is, Starlight picks. So so what so what exactly what the what are the what were the two type that you guys did? So we did a four-year double oaked rye. Um, okay. And yeah, I mean, we tasted probably three or four ryes, and that one carried the least amount of grain. Um, you know, I, I didn't get noticeable young whiskey on that. And there was a nice balance of like oak, oaky depth uh, yeah. along with that 95.5 spicy rye. I just love that rye mash bill. And then the uh, apple brandy bourbon we picked, that's five years old. Um, Brian says the rye was also five. I thought it was four, but great. Um, so when you say, so this was bourbon finished in an apple brandy cask? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So cask okay. strength. And so we tasted quite a few bourbons, but then we tasted one apple brandy and I was like, you know, this is good. It's very sweet, but that's kind of it. You know, it's a very sweet, you know, brandy forward bourbon. 
Uh, and then we asked, you know, is, do you have another one we can taste? And this one was just like two barrels closer to the window. It seemed like it was in a slightly hotter, hotter part of the room and just delivered a lot more oak. Like it has a lot of oak in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, super easy drinking, uh, you know, candy all over. Um, yeah, like so, so like a band so a abandoned bourbon in the in the chat he said Zach Cooperage on the Apple Grandy. I feel like your finishes when you look for a finished bourbon or finished whiskey or even a toasted, I think the that that barrel that you're finishing in, it it's important where you're getting mm -hmm. that from. Because mm -hmm. I've I've tasted so many different types of toasted flavor profiles. Um and I just really I don't know, toasted stuff never really like did it for me. But then um when we got to do our four gate pick. This is a shameless plug, but I'm just saying. We did our, uh, we, <laughs> you just got to pay it back at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we did our four-gate pick and we got a like a properly toasted barrel from Kelvin Cooperage that toasted our eight-year MGP rye at cast strength, they, they pulled it out after like 32, 33 days. They said that's enough. Mm -hmm. um, and we got to try this stuff. It's, it gave me none of the stuff that I dislike about other toasted products I've had. And I was like, yeah. well, this Toasteds is are hit or miss, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is, this is always, I've wanted always the graham cracker marshmallow, but I still wanted to keep that, you know, that, uh, that like the backbone of what a good MGP, I still want citrus in it. And I still want spice without like that weird, like tannic finish that a lot of toasted uh, products give you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think Michter's are hit or miss in that some of their stuff can be quite good, but some of it is crazy tannic and just like, yes, exactly. And when it, it, when it gets overly tannic like that, to me, it's repulsive. I just can't, I, yeah, it, will, it yeah, almost will, makes me yeah. want to retch. Yeah. We'll rush. Yeah. We'll rush in the chat. Toasted can get over bitter. And that's exactly what I thought about the Elijah Craig uh, toasted that they released. It just got, I mean, it got good. There was a sweet point, like where it got really good, like halfway down the bottle. It just took a while to get there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I've heard that it seems like batches varied quite a bit. The bottle I've had open, I've enjoyed it at pretty much at every stop, but I've heard folks say that there are some that are pretty, pretty rough. Yeah, but, I, but it'd I, be interesting I, to do a lineup of the different batches. Yeah, and, and I think that's just inherent of, uh, of you know, toasting. You don't, you know, you don't know how, what part of the whiskey is going to interact and where it's exactly, I mean, aging could be a big part of it if it's sitting there and the, you know, wherever it is, you know, all that stuff's a factor. You never know. Yeah. Uh, I think we've covered it. I think we've, we've gone through the agenda. Um, anybody have me? any questions for Jason before we, we wrap this thing up? Or any off topics you want us to run on? For what, he said he was going to record a video, so I don't want to hold him too much longer. But I'm, all, I'm only doing the uh, the B roll tonight, so you're you're safe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. your B roll's top notch. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Do you use a gimbal, or you just freehand that? Uh, I have like this uh, real technical setup where I uh, I put a, a, a thick towel on the floor and I drag it as I'm nice. No, I've seen <laughs> nice. I've seen people do that. That's awesome. <laughs> you got to make it work. Like I said, I use an IKEA lamp. So yeah, I, I do have a. Um, I did get a. I did invest in a slider, mm -hmm, which, mm -hmm. which allows me which allows me to do moving picks with me in it because I control it with my phone. Oh, nice. So, uh, nice. so that's, that's a cool, that's a cool little handy uh, tool to have, but yeah, my, I like to doing the B roll. I know, you know, I've gotten comments on some videos. I know the B roll is a little bit, you know, much, um, we don't really need it. We just want to hear your take on the whiskey, but honestly, the B roll is more for me because I'm a creative person that allows me to unleash my creativity a little bit. So ideas I have about how I can make this shot cool. 
I, I want to film it. And, you know, if you don't want to watch it, you could always fast forward. But it's a creative outlet for me as well, not just, you know, the love of the whiskey. So. Sure. Yeah, 100%. And I think, well, some folks may say it doesn't matter too much now. It will. Like when you started making videos, there weren't that many people making videos. Yeah. We, we were talking, Jason and I were talking before we went live that, you know, COVID brought uh, uh, the advent of the, the the whiskey tuber, which is fun. It's a lot of like I came in in September, so it's like I'm a product of that. So I can't <laughs> I cannot hate on it whatsoever. Um, yeah, but it just means that there's a lot of people hustling now, and there's there's only so many of us who actually want to consume whiskey content. So I would say it's a positive differentiator in your stuff. Is the audio quality is great. Visual mm-hmm. quality is great, and then it's uh, it's whiskey porn. Like it's like, oh yeah. I mean, as long as I'm going to hear somebody talk, I might as well look at something that's lovely. And no offense, but you know, the whiskey is beautiful. And <laughs> I don't know if I had to look at a picture of Jason or a picture of whiskey all day. Oh, dude, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I rather look at, I rather look at whiskey than myself. I'm with you, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, any uh, other questions for Jason before we wrap up? Jason, you seen anything come through here? Uh, let's see. Um, your B roll is amazing. Even bottom of the barrel can be different. Your B roll game is top notch. B roll is awesome, especially when the song matches the. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Thanks for noticing that. A lot of people don't realize that I try to match the music with the bottle. <laughs> In what way do you do that? Uh, it's it's I don't know it's a kind of a feel thing like if I like for like a like a peated whiskey I get something like a hard rock because it's just mm. you know it's kind in of punch in the face uh, something with like a finish on it I you know like the Stellum bourbons like Stellum meets Star so I I try to look for something a little bit more cosmic you know in the in the music so mm. I don't know it just like stuff like that I I do think of that stuff. Um, uh, Leo Chop says, I have a poster of Jason in my bedroom. Man, that's fucking freaky. <laughs> and Andrew, Andrew Spurl says, Jason has the best D roll. That's right. It's all about the D. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, oh, I, I see a collab barrel pick from Abandoned Bourbon. We could do that. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we can work on it. It sounds like you guys have got a, a full agenda. But, yeah, if you, ever need, <laughs> if you ever need help, just reach out to us. We're, we're available. <laughs> make it work we're working on our stuff um yeah and it's uh it's slow going but it's it's there's there's kind of two ways to look at it is one way is this is our hobby so everything we get to do is great awesome you know that's so dope i am a uh uh enneagram type three and so we won't talk about enneagram but bottom line is i tend to view things as competition unnecessarily. And so it's like an important part of my personal personal growth to be like, it's fine. Like yeah. other people will do things that you don't get to do. And that is okay. Like yeah. you get to do things other people don't get to do. And that's fine. Like it's not a competition. It's not like your self-worth is not wrapped up in yeah. comparing yourself to other whiskey tube channels. So just take a chill pill. Yeah, and I'm, be appreciated like, for what you have, and that's that's the beauty of uh, of Whiskey Tube as it stands today. There are so many different channels you could kind of pick your uh, pick, like not only like who you're. I feel like you can. There's a channel if you just want to be entertained with some whiskey involved, and then there's mm-hmm. a channel for you if you want a little bit more. If you really want to get in depth of, of someone's like palate that you trust, and then there's you know, and then there's ones that are just more conversational. It's I think you know what do they say? Variety is the spice of life. There's something mm. for everybody. 
Yeah, and that's why YouTube is taking off so much. Is like yeah. it is it. Whereas pop media is just that. It's pop media. Whiskey yeah. or, or YouTube, whiskey tube, even mm-hmm. whiskey tube is an example where you can get content and media that's engineered specifically to your interests. And so, like anybody can get on and say anything, but then you can choose exactly what you want to listen to. Yeah. And while that's exactly. fun, that's engaging, there's a dark side to it too, because it, it reinforces groupthink, conspiracy theories, other problems in our society. <laughs> that's not great. Um, yeah. But it does, in terms of just sheer entertainment, it means you can curate what you watch and extract a lot of joy out of your entertainment consumption, which is yeah, I, I pretty dope. Think- you know, as shitty as COVID was, it did, uh, you know, kind of launch a whole new breed of whiskey tubers and it kind of brought the community a little bit closer together. And there was, there was more collaboration. There was uh, more cross streaming. It was great. Um, I mean, that's what, uh, I mean, Fred Minnick told me is like, you know, whole COVID kind of, he wasn't really writing. So he decided to start a, a whiskey tube channel. Mm-hmm. And um, I, the first thing that I said to him when he was, you know, we were kind of chatting backstage like we did, uh, you know, before we went live. He goes, yeah, this whole thing, it's been, it's been kind of a wild ride. You know, I haven't really been writing. I'm like, congrats, Fred. You're now a whiskey tuber. <laughs> and he just, he's like, he's like, oh my God. He's like, are you like knighting me right now? <laughs> like, yes, you are a whiskey tuber. It's, it's happened. You've been a whiskey tuber for a while. You just didn't know it yet. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, you use yeah. the term cross streaming, which that's a pretty, uh, that's a stark visual. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a little bit dirty, isn't it? <laughs> uh, East seventy-eight two ten. Uh, the ECVP pick we were told were twelve weeks out because of the demand. So we're picking it next week. So we probably won't see it until winter time, unfortunately. But wow. that's uh, a lot of the distilleries are having some um, uh, a lot of demand, and some of the picks that are coming from the bigger distilleries are very delayed. Um, uh, huge wait list. Some of them are holding back barrels now because so many people are wanting to do picks in today's realm that they have to like they're they got to hold some of these barrels back so they could keep the supply chain going and stop giving away their single barrels. So uh, so that's that's actually what happened with Woodenville. You know, Woodenville told us after we did our picks that they're like, you know, we don't have many picks slated for uh, for the rest of the year because of uh, supply chain issues. Wow. So uh, so yeah. So I think we're seeing a lot of that. And, um, so, I mean, if, if you have a chance to do a pick, man, I just say, just, I don't care what the hell it is. Do it. You go, yeah. you can always find something good and unique out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the wonder of the single barrel is if you're particularly if we're working with a distillery that'll let you browse, you know, you can, you can probably find something good on yeah. their, their shelf. They'll let you taste a lot of stuff. Yeah. If, if you're just uh, yeah, absolutely. rolled out three barrels like a knob creek pick it may be a little bit harder but most craft distilleries will let you peruse a little bit yeah i i would like to do something with maybe barrel bourbon or even like penelope bourbon like doing like a custom blend of something i think that's always fun we did we did our first custom blend with rye three uh which which people are starting to get their bottles now which was a lot of fun to do but uh you know kind of doing that with a bigger brand would be fun as well Mm. Brian Pulver says he loves the cross streaming. Don't stop. <laughs> I don't hear <laughs> the stuff. I think generally people like it. Like it's fun. It's fun to get together and just talk about whiskey and yeah, you know, folks mean, that can kind of learn from those of us who have spent way too much time <laughs> yeah. learning and drinking uh, uh, yeah, bourbon. But 
Yeah, I mean, I get I get sick of listening to myself during my reviews. I mean, when I'm doing a live stream, it's kind of fun to you know bounce stuff off people and get a different perspective. So sure, yeah, yeah. The editing part of like producing a video and then like uh, like get it ready is you spend thirty minutes to an hour of recording the video, and then you spend two hours, three hours, you know, yep. getting the video ready, and it's like this is not fun. You you have a couple you have a couple questions in the chat real quick if you want to answer those before we get off. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, just briefly, we'll try and hit them. Um, I see JCB, Drew P, Mictors 10, Bourbon, or Barrel Strength Rye. Uh, dude, this uh, depends so much. Like, they're both great. Um, I really like the Barrel Strength Rye. Really unique rye. I haven't tasted a rye that tastes like Mictors Barrel Strength Rye. I, vote, um, uh, I, I really vote. like Mictors 10 Bourbon, too. I vote Barrel so Strength Rye. It depends on the day. I vote, I vote Barrel Strength Rye, hands down. Go get it. If you have to choose, I'd probably agree with you, but it depends on the day. Like there's some days I really like that Mictor's 10 bourbon. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lynch, what is the deal with Russell's Reserve 13 coming up? Dude, if I can get a Russell's Reserve 13, I'll go <laughs> I'll go super deep on Russell. I'm drinking a little bit of Russell's Reserve uh, single barrel right now. It's amazing. And the yeah, so, the, so the, the Russell's Reserve 13, I can tell you real quick, it's a non-chill filter 13-year uh, offering from Wild Turkey. It just got bottled, I think, Last week or the week before, it came off the bottling line. Yeah, and a couple, three people, weeks ago. People were sharing photos of it, and uh, it, it, it should be hitting any moment now. You just kind of never know with this stuff, so people have their eyes out for it. It's a, it's a white and blue label, so if you see a Russell's Reserve with a white and blue label... Uh, pick me up about six of them and let me know. Yeah, right. Well, this is first. You got to pay dues. This is my channel. Make sure I get one, and then we'll yeah, get pass get one to Drew. Get one to Drew. Get one to Drew first, we'll and then if there's time left Jesus. over, yeah, get one to Drew first. There's time left over. You could you know throw me one. Yeah, we'll make it work. <laughs> All right, squad. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Again, reminder: if you want your shot at the entry proof barrel picks, the very first ones ever. Um, get down in the show notes and get them in the now. The password when you click on that link is entry proof. Um, and because uh, tomorrow, well, later tonight, they're going to go out to Brian's and my local Facebook groups. And then tomorrow they are going live to the Sealbox community. So if you want one of those, get it now. Enjoy it. Have fun with that. Uh, big thanks to Jason for jumping on the stream. That was tons of fun i love doing these these chats and these interviews with uh folks that are just absolutely crushing it in the whiskey content sphere so jason definitely appreciate your time man i don't take that for granted uh you know i know you're you're busy you're doing a lot of stuff every night so it's just a privilege to host you no dude i i appreciate you having me on and uh you, you know i will definitely have to return the favor you got to come on we'll do uh maybe we'll do some kind of a i'm really interested in what you tasted craft whiskey wise so maybe mm. you can do maybe Maybe you and I can collaborate on doing like a really cool uh, craft whiskey scream on my channel one night. So yeah, that sounds dope. I do plan on after I get to a hundred, I'm gonna do a top ten or you know the best craft whiskey I tried in 2021 out of a hundred. So yeah, we'll 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 make it happen. It'll be yeah, rad. absolutely, man. All right, nation. Um, you know if you want to support the channels, if you want to get an Elijah Craig barrel proof barrel pick you should go to jason's patreon um which the link is in this chat somewhere uh, but i'll throw it in the show notes as well um but also if you want to support the entry proof podcast and the droopy whiskey channel you can do that in the patreon link below 
For those of you who have listened to this in podcast form, hey, thanks. I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully it made your drive to work a little little bit better. Uh, you know, makes you jazz to get home and pop pop the top on some whiskey, sip it slowly. Hope you all have a good rest of your evening. Go to sleep, you know, drink a lot of water, nourish yourselves. That would be a really solid plan. But as always, just stay healthy, stay safe, and remember, keep it neat. See ya. Cheers, guys.